1: To record Recorded it live, live. and it 's actually working amazing usually when there 's a break, I come back, and some disastrous thing happens, and the servers don't work or something. but anyway, tonight, it was trying to find a little short cord, probably less than six inches long, to attach to my headset to plug it into my cordless phone because apparently I used it for something else over the Christmas vacation and it ended up on the floor beside the couch. But knowing that I don't just throw things like that down, some people just fling stuff everywhere. I usually don't. I put it in certain places carefully so I won't lose it. So what I had probably done was put it on the side table and it fell off. And that's why I couldn't find it. But I'm here now. Yes. Testing, testing. One, two, four, six, nine. Pretty much, yeah. Um, it's So I'm late. Sorry about that, 7.42 p.m., January 7th, 2016. We're into a new year and hope everybody's doing well. Um, I have all kinds of stuff, and Desert Pizzas. he's got all kinds of stuff, and man, I don't know if it's going to be a marathon or not, but we'll see what we can do to at least get some content out there so people learn something new or are inspired to go look into something further. That's really where I'm coming from. I'm trying to make sure that, just because the mainstream media can't get it right and tonight glaring error here in Maine because we had on the ABC News with that, I call him a pretty boy because he looks like a model, David Muir and he teased along about the firefighter falling through the roof and so we were waiting, thinking that they would actually tell a story, oh no they just made us wait, showed up the same video we'd seen as the teaser and then got the place wrong. It didn't happen in Bangor, Maine. It happened in Gardner, Maine. So anyway, that's okay. It's only a half an hour news broadcast with very little news in it. If you've never noticed, it's more like a magazine. So that's why people don't watch the news anymore. So anyway, um, and I believe the firefighter's okay or is going to be okay. I'm not sure how badly he was injured. could have been a lot worse. So thankful for that. <clears throat> and... Um, I have some ideas for how I'm going to be a little better at doing this this year. I've got some you know, goals to try to reach. One of them is I'm going to try to put my links from all the notes that I've had for all this time, because I think it's been like almost four years, putting things into folders for topics, so that it's easier for me to access things that you know, maybe I've talked about before or discussed with people on here or whatever researched on. Because a lot of it, I can't hold all that in my mind. I mean, it's just too much, especially when you start getting up there in age to try to hold all that in your mind. And when you go back and read it again, you say, oh, yeah, I remember that now. And since then, I've learned even more because that's just how it is. You start noticing things, then you notice things connected to those other things that you were studying on. And the dot connecting goes very fast when you do that. So. You know, I might have some different topics, like you know, the main governor, which is there's new stuff there. Um, things on narcissism, which I've been studying like crazy. I've learned tons about narcissism while I've been gone because I've been reading and reading and reading, and also trying to make sense of some of the some of the relationship struggles that people are going through right now, and I'm one of them. So, but I found even more people, and some of them in my fairly close circle. Who have similar things going on, and you know, I attribute it to the, you know, the breakdown of the family, which was how things were supposed to go. That was how the plan was made, so that people could be more easily manipulated because their support systems would be all ripped down, the education system would be ripped down, so they wouldn't know what they're doing. Um, as the generations go along people know less and less they have less practical skills they have less uh, ability to think for themselves they can't read as well and it's it's really sickening how this has progressed through time to put the population in the condition it's in right now and i'm seeing some signs again to be you know in a positive upbeat mood seeing signs of how um people are Beginning to wake up to this and are reversing some of it where they are because we can't really do the global thing, but we certainly can do something in our local areas to reverse how things are. So hopefully, some people will have something to contribute to that and can um, you know relate to it because I, I know Maine's not Maine is a unique place that's for sure. If if someone is new to this program. Get out your map and look at where Maine is, because a lot of people don't even know. They figure it's an insignificant place. Oh, no, it's not. We're sitting right in the middle of a very strategic place because of the way the world works, the patterns that are, you know, for the entire globe, the trade patterns, the weather patterns, um, things to do with the borders, because Maine is surrounded by Canada, except for where the ocean is, and a little tip down at the bottom where we connect with New Hampshire, we're not um well, I mean where the roads go there are, we actually connect with New Hampshire on the western side, but there's a lot of places where you can't cross over because there's no road there, so you know we have like we have like this isolated place, but we're connected because of the way the systems are, and we've got a lot of people up here in my opinion that are hiding out because no one ever looks up here so Occasionally exciting things happen, and that's what I usually try to talk about, is anything that I find unusual or might have um, a connection to other things going on in the world. um, So I had something that I saved to start out because it's the new year and because I didn't want to be all gloom and doom all the time. I want to also offer advice, things that I've learned or things that I've found helpful to think about. And while everybody is, you know, still awake and not falling into the, oh my gosh, everything's horrible, the world's going to end, blah, 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 negativity that we always seem to get into because we have to talk about crappy stuff on here all the time, um, I saw something really cute, probably was on Facebook, I'm thinking. And it was just one of those things people pass around, it was called the. It was called Advice from an Old Farmer. And... Um, I like this kind of thing because I grew up in a rural area, rural, R-U-R-A-L, we say rural here, um, and this is how we were and you know how we believed and, and, and thought the world worked and it worked great for us. It doesn't work in the system that we live in currently, it doesn't work in cities. It doesn't work with people who have a mindset that somebody else is going to come and take care of all their problems, and they just have to call somebody on their smartphone. They don't even use landlines anymore. So when the systems go down, their smartphones aren't going to work, and they're probably going to panic and sit in the corner, sucking their thumb, rocking themselves and singing, what is that soft kitty, warm kitty, little ball of fur, or whatever it is, the one they always show on TV. Oh, here here it is, advice from an old farmer. I just took a drink of water, not booze, it's water. Your fences need to be horse high, pig tight, and bull strong. Keep skunks and bankers at a distance. Life is simpler when you plow around the stump. A bumblebee is considerably faster than a John Deere tractor. Words that soak into your ears are whispered, not yelled. Meanness don't just happen overnight. Forgive your enemies, it it messes up their heads. (laughs) That's a good one. Do not corner something that you know is meaner than you. It don't take a very big person to carry a grudge. You cannot unsay a cruel word. Every path has a few puddles. When you wallow with pigs, expect to get dirty. The best sermons are lived, not preached. Most of the stuff people worry about ain't never going to happen anyway. Don't judge folks by their relatives. Remember that silence is sometimes the best answer. Live a good, honorable life, and then when you get older and think back, you'll enjoy it a second time. Don't interfere with something that ain't bothering you none. Timing has a lot to do with the outcome of a rain dance. If you find yourself in a hole, the first thing to do is, you guys should all know this one, stop digging. Sometimes you get and sometimes you get got. The biggest troublemaker you'll probably ever have to deal with watches you from the mirror every morning. Always drink upstream from the herd. that's good advice good judgment comes from experience and a lot of that comes from bad judgment letting the cat out of the bag is a whole lot easier than putting it back in if you get to thinking you're a person of some influence try ordering somebody else's dog around live simply love generously care deeply speak kindly leave the rest to god Don't pick a fight with an old man. If he's too old to fight, he'll just kill you. Most times it just gets down to common sense.
2: Hope you enjoyed that. Now,
1: uh, let's see, what shall I start with? Well, since Maine is one of those places where we have guns everywhere, we've got them in the cars, we've got them under the beds, we've got them in the gun cases, gun safes, hidden in the woods, hidden in the camps, buried under rocks, Um, they're never going to be able to get them out of Maine. It's never happening. Why we have to even have this discussion at this point in our lives is like kind of um, irritating. But over the break, um, and you probably all heard about this because it was talked about everywhere, our person in the White House that you know we are having dubious um thoughts about where he came from and why he's here and if he's you know what do they call that the Manchurian candidate or something um he did a he did a press conference and he announced about this new background check thing for gun purchases well. You know, the outcry went across the nation. Some places it was like, hey, it's about time. You know, we got to do something about all this stuff. These people that are, you know, out there breaking laws and doing all this criminal activity and killing people and stuff. And then in other places, such as Maine, people said, oh, no, I guess we better go buy some more before we can't anymore. So people started buying guns again. I've seen ads for guns. I've heard people talking about guns. There was a young woman the other day that was interacting with some of her friends, and she goes, I need to know what happens if I am driving in the car, and my boyfriend's gun, he's the registered owner, is in the glove compartment, and I get stopped, am I going to get in trouble? And she's originally from New Hampshire, which obviously has different laws than Maine does, but Maine passed a constitutional carry law, which means that you can carry concealed as long as there's no restriction on you. Like you haven't had any you know you're not underage or you haven't um committed a crime um you can carry i mean, I could put a gun in my purse and go to the store tomorrow I could um you know walk around with a gun on my hip. We always have that anyway, but it's people still think that you have to have a permit to get a concealed you know to concealed carry and you don't have to in Maine anymore um some of the people up here, there were some courses where people could get a Utah gun permit, which apparently works in all the states, I believe it is, or more states, I'm not sure, because I haven't done it, don't want to do it, but I saw some people talking about that too, that you can get concealed carry permits for other places, and the Utah course apparently for that would allow people to go, if they're traveling, to have their gun concealed. Um, Obviously, if it's not the same in every state, people are going to have to pay a lot of attention to that or they could get in trouble inadvertently because they're doing what they do in their own home state.
3: <clears throat>
1: but here in Maine, unless you have a restriction because of some, you know, something that you did or happened to you, um, you can carry, and you can carry concealed. You can put it in your pocket, your bag, whatever it is. Um, there's only a few places that you can't bring a gun, and they're listed. I mean, there are places that you would think you wouldn't be able to bring a gun. You just know it from common sense. So anyway, here's the comment from... Um, this was comment from Maine Republicans rip Obama's new gun control plans. I'm not going to go all into everything about it because everybody has been talking about it. Things have changed in the last few days just from people talking about it. Um, the trends come and go. It seems kind of like something I don't need to spend a lot of time on for this group. But I just wanted you to know... Um, some of the comments people made on the story itself, which the comments are closed now. Uh, Best being the one with the most likes, Alan Burnham wrote, insanity is rampant in our state, especially among conservatives. This nation has a huge problem with violence, gun violence, rape, and domestic violence. Past time to join the human race, folks. Pat says, background checks shouldn't be a problem for most of us. It won't make much difference either way, but I'm curious what laws are on the books that aren't being upheld. Maybe we should focus on them. Why are they not being enforced? Someone's comment was deleted. Um, I think some people were saying they need to uphold the laws of the land instead of making new ones, because they're just not taking care of things that are already there on the books. Um, And Alan Burnham says, which laws are we discussing, the ones written by the NRA? Um, And then people talking about getting blocked for their comments. Uh, WCSBWK says, no gun violence, rape, or domestic violence at my house because the wife and I are well trained in the use of our own protection. Chicago cops know where the guns are but are limited in taking action due to political correctness. All major cities in the country have the same issues with the same results, a lot of dead young people. It's not cons who are insane, as you say. These cities of death are all run by liberals. So they were talking about conservatives, not cons from the con, you know, convicts. Alan Burnham says, certainly not the police department. Know any police who are liberals? Try reading some history on the problems of cities, minorities, and manifest destiny. And question you too says how much you misunderstand about big city cops. Um, I know at one time Maine was highest gun ownership per capita in the nation. I don't know whether they still whether it still is or not. But I've talked about it on here before. Is that our the people that are Mainers that have been Mainers all their lives or raised here, they don't think about guns in the same way. They inherit them from their families. Um, Some of them never shoot the things. They put them in a case or a gun safe, and they keep them because it belonged to their great-grandfather and it was handed down. And it's certainly not uh, something you would hear every day that somebody drove by and shot someone's windows out, although we've seen things like that happening in the last few years. But most of the time, if you look into it, these aren't people from Maine. They're people that have come in from other states. We have a huge um, problem right now with heroin, heroin stealing in the state of Maine, and most of the people are coming from Connecticut and New York into Maine to do that. When they catch them, that's where they're from. So they're coming here to sell drugs, and they're bringing their you know, their criminal activities with them. So all that's doing is making people in Maine say, well, I guess we get better be safer then, because we've got these dangerous people coming here. So we need to make sure we are safe at all times. So I would say that it's probably likely that people walking down the streets now have something in their pocket, um, just in case. Um, There were people who were saying it wouldn't bother them if they had to pass a background check, wouldn't bother them because they're honest people. But there are repercussions from things like this. Um, There are repercussions from putting things on databases because later on the intent that you thought you were helping such as well, they won't be selling it to someone who's a raving lunatic and taking all kinds of mind altering drugs um could turn out to be that now um because in the database it, these people are listed now no one that lives with them can have a gun now no one that associates with them can have a gun because they you know that's how the slippery slope occurs is that unintended consequences happen
2: um
1: Um, I had to stop for a minute because I hear a lot of banging going on down the hallway, which is the washing machine. Um, Anyway, so that's that. Um, Yesterday I was listening to the radio and I heard on Howie Carr, which is one of the shows I listen to sometimes late afternoon. He comes on about 3 o'clock. He's out of the Boston area, lives in Wellesley. He has a lot of interesting connections to all kinds of things. And he doesn't just talk about... Massachusetts, he talks about New England so Maine is in there a lot in his topics and yesterday while I was waiting in the car I had had it on, I, I think it must have been around 5.30 maybe he and the person that was working with him that day were talking about this woman, I believe she was in Portsmouth who shot somebody who was trying to rob her and as they read the story um they were laughing because some of the quotes that were in there, because the woman was 65 years old, um, and the man was, uh, I forget how old he was, he was in his early 20s, I believe. Let me see if I can find it, because I didn't say it's that either. It's right on his site. Let me see if I can find it on his site. Because um, while they were talking about the different issues, they were saying she was a dealer at like a casino, she was coming home late at night, she had gone to a convenience store. And when she was driving home, she noticed somebody seemed to be following her. She got really, you know, alarmed by that and nervous. And he chased her and got in front of her and blocked her path to her home. And she shot him. She shot him in the chest. And um, they were asking her, like, you know, somebody asked her, well, were you trying to kill him? And she said, no, if I had tried to kill him, I would have shot him in the head. This is pretty much the pragmatic way that people live in this area. It's like, you know, don't mess with me and I'll leave you alone, but don't expect me to stand here and be your victim either. So I don't see it on here. I see a lot of other stuff, but I don't see that. Um. Trying a few things, see if it'll show up in a Google, yep, I found it finally. In the union leader, grandmother 65, says she shot a man who tried to mug her. Found it in the union leader, which is in Manchester, New Hampshire. Grandmother 65, says she shot the man who tried to mug her, written by Mark Hayward. It was put on on January 5th, so the 65-year-old grandmother said she didn't have time to think when she pulled out her 32 caliber handgun and shot a man who tried to mug her outside her South Manchester apartment building late Monday night. The woman who recounted the incident to news media Tuesday said she had a funny feeling once a dark-colored car started following her car as she pulled away from the mobile on the run and headed home to 640 South Porter Street, a three-story garden-style apartment building. She had just gotten off work as a poker dealer. It was about 11.30 p.m. As she made her way to the building, she said a man exited the car, ran ahead of her, and blocked her path. As soon as he went to grab me with his left hand, I pulled the gun out and shot him. I didn't even think about it. I thought my safety was in danger, said the woman, who asked that her name or image not be publicized. I'm not happy about what happened. I wish I didn't have to do it, but my safety was my first priority. Manchester police said they have charged Michael Bon... Bontades, 23, who has no fixed address, was robbery after he showed up at Elliott Hospital emergency room with a gunshot wound to his upper chest. Bontades was arraigned from his hospital bed and his bail was set at $5,000. Police also charged the friend who took Fontades, I think it's Bontades, to the emergency room, Zachary Boyd, 30 of 326 Amherst Street, with being a felon in possession of a knife. The victim was the center of attention on Tuesday. She spoke to reporters from New Hampshire and Massachusetts in her apartment building stairway. Earlier, she took calls from Mayor Ted Gatsa and police chief Nick Willard. She said Willard asked if she felt okay being unarmed because police took her weapon for evidence. Not to worry, she told him her neighbor had lent her one of his. Gatsa said he had met the woman, an avid bingo player, while campaigning. I told her I'm glad you protected yourself gatsa said people who have the opportunity to protect themselves should the incident took place about 12 hours before president obama addressed the nation about his crackdown on gun purchases honestly i do not have a problem with background checks some people talked about this too they didn't like it that she said this anything else he's trying to do forget it he'll never take our guns away said the woman police said she had the proper license to carry a concealed weapon the woman wore jeans with a small peace symbol sewed across just above her right knee. She wore a fleece hat with hearts on it and two crosses around her neck. I'm a child of the 60s, she said. Last year, she testified in Concord in favor of legalized gambling. She lives alone with two cats. She has two grown sons, and her first grandson was born in November. A weird feeling. The woman said she had a weird feeling. She relied on her instincts when the car started following hers Monday night. I felt from the beginning they were druggies, she said. One, Tatey is 5 feet, 11 inches, and 200 pounds. The woman, 4 feet, 11 inches, and 105 pounds, said she didn't pull her gun until the mugger tried to grab her purse. I don't think he got that far, she answered when asked if he touched her. I shot to protect myself. I, if I wanted to kill him, I would have aimed for the head, she said. Her handgun is a thirty two caliber Caltech. Said Monday was the first time she ever fired it, she said. She said she last shot a gun at the old Manchester police station as part of a safety class. Neighbors said the apartment complex is close to South Willow Street and they have found syringes on the property, and cars have been burglarized. But the woman said in the 12 years she's lived there, no shooting has ever taken place. She lives across the hall from Izzy Falcone. Falcone was wearing a holstered handgun on Tuesday. He had lent the woman a gun until police returned his neighbors. He said he makes a living building weapons for the military, and this summer he and a friend stood guard at a military recruiting station in Manchester after a terrorist shot and killed recruiters in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He said he was asleep when the shooting took place. The first thing I said was, why didn't you kill him, Falcone Falcon said. So
2: um, that's
1: pretty much a, an attitude that most of the people I know would support. They would support that totally. Because the guy attacked her. He tried to harm her. And she was prepared, so she took care of it. So here's the Here's a link to that one. Uh, The union leader's a big newspaper in New Hampshire, by the way. (coughs) Sorry about that, coughing in your ear. Um, And as far as the, um, the permits and everything, they always make sure they mention about permits and about gun ownership and stuff and being registered. Those are in all the stories. And it is what is that is what generated the, the question from the young woman that I talked about who was concerned about being in a car with a gun in the glove compartment. The only thing that Maine law requires is that you tell them that it's there. So if they go into your car or search your car, they know it's there. Somebody apparently got stopped the other night and had one, and I think they gave them a fine. But I'm sure it's because they're trying to educate people that they have to tell you that they have to report that it's there um, without sending a ton of people to jail because what are they going to do, send everybody to jail if they're all carrying guns in go glove compartment? My gosh, it's going to be like being in Texas because apparently they do that there all the time too. All right, I'm just checking in here to see if everything's okay with people. Looks like we don't have any disruptors tonight. Sometimes we do, so I'm glad that we have... Um, and quiet. Maybe some of our uh, little disruptors have gone away because they didn't find us here for a few weeks. Okay, so that was the one about um, the grandmother now. What was the one I just read from? That link in just a minute. I'll go get it because if I back up, I should be able to get it. Howie Carr. Howie Carr is on HowieCarrShow.com. I usually listen to it on the internet so that I can have it on at my desk. If I'm in the car, I just turn it on. He's on a lot of radio stations. It's a syndicated show. And he talks about everything. He had, um, I, I don't know if he had him on today or not. He's had Trump on. He had the governor of Maine on today. And I missed it. I feel bad because I love hearing our governor. He is a riot on the radio. Okay. I'll give you just the one that has the comments because that's where I read from. I didn't read the whole article. Copy
2: pasted
1: real quick. We're going to have a good year this year, you guys. I said that last year, and then I had one of the worst years of my entire life. But I always start out at least with a a happy attitude, and I've changed quite a bit, too. But as time goes on, I'll try to tell you some of the things that I've revelated over. We call it revelating here. I've had some revelations. And... um, things have gotten a lot clearer. So maybe I'll be less scatterbrained, who knows? That might be the good side effect of it. Okay, so we did the gun control thing. Let
4: me see what else I have on here.
1: Our legislature came back into um, session, um, started right out. First thing they were gonna do, they actually had things in the paper that they were gonna do. The first day they were back, they were gonna file for impeachment of our governor I don't know if you heard about that anywhere else other than in Maine. But, oh, it was a big deal. They made a big splash about it. And then yesterday there were two rallies down in um, Augusta. I believe it was yesterday. I'm losing track of time a little bit. Um, But I believe it was yesterday. And um, it didn't happen. I wrote to my representative yesterday, um, have not had a reply, but basically what I said, and we have lots of Democratic – representatives in Maine, because we just, you know, we don't tend to do too much about their party when we're voting, and we should think of it more. A lot of people vote for individuals. I'm one of those people. Um, I did not vote for the one that's my representative, but I did send an an email, and I said um, that I did not want him involved in any further witch hunt of our governor, that I expected that he was down there to do his work and that was to represent the people of Maine and to get the business of the people done. I was tired of this. And um, haven't heard back. I don't know if they're all laying low or what is it, whatever it is, but it's, it's almost comical. It's like watching a soap opera. Um, I'm sure Dottie being here, she probably could add to that too. It, it's just it's ludicrous what these people are doing. And... Um, People of Maine are getting kind of tired of it. they you know the the rally for the support for the governor was larger than the rally to impeach the governor yesterday and it was just you know it was kind of like surreal. They were both on the property of of the um state house doing this and um just you know their first day back, and that's that's what they choose to do with their time. They did get a little bit of stuff done, though, I believe, but that was just nuts. Anyway, find you the um, links
2: to those.
1: There was also something funny that we saw today, too. Apparently, the governor gave a, a little gift of a little book to... Um, the legislature, legislators as a Christmas gift, and one of the um, people who received the book read it aloud online today. I don't know if um, Dottie has a link to that one or not. Maybe she could share it because it's funny. Um, It's basically about dead horses and stuff and trying to uh, ride a dead horse. going for the rally stuff here if I can get it. Okay. WCSH's live video.
2: Gosh, it's almost like being um
3: it's
1: you know, the- almost like being back in school trying to tell you what I'm doing while I'm doing it so that you can um
2: follow along.
1: I want to give you a Facebook link because you can't go there. have Facebook, If I can find a direct link
2: in Facebook. Oh, yep, yeah, still
1: Facebook. Where's their regular link? Um, maybe Dottie knows where that is, too. Usually on their Facebook page, they'll have a link to their website itself. It's WCSH 6, which is a TV station out of Portland, Maine. And they had both of the videos on yesterday. And then today there's something else. LePage apparently made a racially charged comment at a, at his Bridgeton meeting last night. Um, I haven't even gotten into all that yet, but apparently he said something about impregnating the white girls up here <laughs> or something and then running away or something. I don't know. He, I think he was talking about the heroin dealers that we've been having up here. I'll tell you that LePage is not a racist person. So they can kiss his butt, as they say. not racist. He may say white girls because he was describing what he was seeing, which is that they're usually white girls. They're usually... Well, I don't want to go there because I just think it feeds into it. But, you know, if you see a black man running from a building... It's a black man running from a building. That is the fact. It's not saying that all black men are criminals to say that a black man ran from the scene of a crime. That's where we get into uh, people getting really irritated with each other, because one will say, "It is racist. No, it's not. You're describing him because that's a physical description, and it's the most obvious one when somebody's running from the scene of a crime. Losing my place, you guys. I'm trying hard. Oh, uh, we have a new snack tax in Maine. They're going to be collecting sales tax on snacks. Um, there's a list of them. Uh, one of the controversies regarding this, which I just heard this past weekend, is that people that have SNAP cards, which are the uh, food stamp allotments, allowances, or whatever they call them—excuse p- me—people that have those do not have to pay the sales tax because you can't pay sales tax using a SNAP card. So that's causing controversy. To me, I don't feel bad about the fact that SNAP card doesn't pay sales tax because it would give the states a way to steal more money out of people's hands when they're poor and need their food. So I don't think that it's bad that SNAP doesn't pay sales tax because that's not what it's for. It's for feeding people. But it does bother me that People that are paying cash for their snacks have to pay a sales tax on it because it's food, especially when we have potatoes in Maine that we're selling for things such as potato chips, which people really love. It's food. It's, what, it's a staple food. Most people give their kids potato chips probably every day in Maine. We eat a lot of potatoes in Maine. Um, so it's just another way to, you know, screw around with things. And the only reason we found out about this, why we knew was because we know someone who has a convenience store and they were talking about the fact that they can't charge sales tax on someone's snap card, so that's just so to argue about the fact that it's not fair that some pay a sales tax for the same item and that another one doesn't um brought out a lot of people being upset about it, saying it's not right it's not it's not true, all these other things it is true. It's not fair that it's different for depending on where your funding is coming from. But it doesn't mean that because of that that I can't say what I just said, which is that I'm glad that it pays for food and not for state sales taxes, that a state could say, oh, if we raise the sales tax and we can get it off of the assistance money, then states would, you know, I'm getting jaded now. I believe they would get all they could out of that as a source of revenue, and I don't think it's right to do that. should be spent for what it's, you know, why it was, um, what do you call it, encumbered. It's encumbered from the um, budget. It should be spent for what it's encumbered for, not for something else.
2: Okay,
4: let's see.
1: Um A funny one down in Missouri today. I saw this on Facebook as well. Somebody had posted it Um, down in Missouri. Someone introduced this guy. He's got to be... There's his face. Bart Corman, Montgomery County Republican. He's a representative. Sponsored legislation defining sex between lobbyists and Missouri lawmakers or their staff as a gift. And, you know, you can can take whatever you want from this. To me, it's good fodder for comedy. I can't even begin to imagine where somebody got this idea. Uh, How would they come up with that? Were they, like, sitting in a chair meditating, and all of a sudden they went, hey, wait a minute, sex between lobbyists and lawmakers are gifts? Oh, I don't know what else you'd say about that. Um, Jason Hancock wrote this. It's in the... Kansas City, something it says KansasCity.com. So maybe that's maybe that's one of their new, oh Kansas City Star. That's what I thought it might be. Um, and then there's a picture of their beautiful legislature. It's gorgeous. Their building. Um, Jefferson City. Lobbyists who have sex with a Missouri lawmaker or a member of lawmaker staff would have to disclose it to the Missouri Ethics Commission under a bill introduced Wednesday in the Missouri House. The bill, sponsored by Representative Bart Corman, a Montgomery County Republican, defined sex between lobbyists and legislators as as a gift. As such, sexual relations would have to be included on monthly lobbyist gift disclosure forms. Corman could not be immediately reached for comment from the bill. This is a quote. For purposes of subdivision, two in parentheses, of this subsection, The term gift shall include sexual relations between a registered lobbyist and a member of the General Assembly or his or her staff. Relations between married persons or between persons who entered into a relationship prior to the registration of the lobbyist, the election of the member to the General Assembly, or the employment of the staff person shall not be reportable under this subdivision. The reporting of sexual relations for purposes of this subdivision shall not require a dollar valuation. Wow, it would be interesting if they could come up with one, wouldn't it? Um, The 2016 legislative session began Wednesday with a focus on legislative ethics laws. That focus comes after a year that saw two Missouri lawmakers forced to resign over scandals involving interns. Well, that seems to be pretty rampant. My computer's like lagging now badly. Hopefully I'm not losing you. Close that
2: out. Oh, I see why. Had something open that was really a lot of
1: space, because it has a lot of links. It was that Science Daily site was on. Okay, here's the one I just read from. Missouri. Wow.
2: William says
1: that, so it falls under the no gift ethics laws. Uh, just too funny. Just <laughs> funny. Um, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot the last few weeks is, and I've talked about this before too, because it's occurred to me before, but it's even more obvious now, is that there's just no end to the quantification of life. It's like everything has to be measured and and weighed and. Uh, Timed and written on a chart and put in a computer, and it's just so crazy, it really is. I mean, can you imagine our grandparents hearing what I just read and thinking people hadn't completely lost their freaking minds? My grandparents were very uh, pragmatic about life, and they would not have, they would not have thought, you know, that would be even possible for anybody with a serious you know, responsibility and outlook to come up with. (laughs) But anyway, we'll probably hear about it in the comedy section somewhere, humor section. Um, Let's see what else. Um, they're, They're still talking about the National Monument in Maine, which is like a step towards that national park, which we keep saying we don't want, and they keep trying to bring in. Um... So that will be something I'll be keeping an eye on. The J Mill, which is a paper mill down in the, um, I would say it's more southerly part of the state. It's not all the way down, but it's, um, Dottie probably knows better than I do. I think it's a little bit south of Route 2, which goes across to New Hampshire. Uh, Anyway, they have sold their uh, power plant part of their mill for $62 million. So some of my people on here that follow the industrial parts of life in the United States may be interested in this. Um, This was just put on the Bangor Daily today. They sold four hydro generators for $62 million. That is a lot of money. Um, So and it shows its location and stuff, probably, too. So I'll give you that one. If you want, if you um, like to come in and look at what's on here and you forget to write it down, you can get any of the chat on TalkShoe shows. You can go to uh, chatgrabber.com and put in the show ID number. Mine is 94426. And then just enter the episode number. Tonight's is 228. And you can see the chat. It takes out any little smiley faces and things like that, but it will have like the links and the conversation that was going on in the chat. So if you missed anything or you forgot to write it down and you think of it, you can go back in and get that link. So the thing about this show is that it doesn't really have a set format or a set topics. It's just Like I always say, it's whatever interested me, whatever I've been studying on or reading. Um, And the people in the chat, they're very knowledgeable. So if there's something that you want to know about and you ask a question, most of the time somebody in there knows because everyone that comes to this show, as far as I know, I mean, I don't know all the guests because they're anonymous, but the people that I know that are named that are in the chat are very knowledgeable about the the, um, topics that they talk about and study on. So they're good They're good to ask questions of. Um, I saw a really kind of cool thing written. I don't know where it was, if it was on a blog or someone passed it around on Facebook. But I liked the tone of it. Um, the title is, I'm trying to see, it's on a website called jasonstapleton.com. I've never heard of Jason Stapleton in my life. I don't know who it is. So, you know, like I say, use your own discernment with things that I talk about. If you like it, go further. If you don't, ignore it, okay, make your tea or whatever. Walk around, go let the dog out. Um, Coercion, Theft, and Liberty, A Message to Young Democrats. This was written by Remzo W. Martinez, December 19, 2015. I saved it because it was a... Slightly different viewpoint, okay? A quotation. Human civilization is not something achieved against nature. It is rather the outcome of the working of the innate qualities of man. Ludwig von Mises. I believe that's how you say his name. No one wants to be a hater. Being a young conservative in the wake of the 2012 election forced me in a corner having to defend values. I thought we're in tune with the foundation of our country became tiring as I was having to debate my teachers, peers, and pretty much everyone I had a conversation with in my progressive neighborhood. The sad thing of the matter was that I wasn't upset that all the other teens I went to school with appeared to jump on the Obama wave of hardline liberalism. It was that other people that held high the conservative banner seemed to lack one thing, conservatism, and at its core, liberty. In seeing conservatives and liberals alike trade civil liberties for security, risk for convenience, and individualism for the social good, I realized I was a libertarian. Libertarianism is on the rise in America, and though our future looks bleak at the moment, I think ultimately free men will always find a way to break free of control. The facts are with me, though, according to Reason.com. And I guess that's where this next quote comes from. Fully 34% of 18 to 29-year-olds describe themselves as independent, compared to just 11% of voters 30 years and older. That's a massive difference, indicating both a healthy skepticism towards the claims of professional politics and an openness to new arguments that align with their values. They are far more likely to be socially tolerant, something that fits with the Democrats, and fiscally responsible, a perennial Republican talking point. Most millennials, 53%, say they would support a candidate who is both socially liberal and fiscally conservative. Now, saying that I feel optimistic about the future ignores the flip side of the coin. I interviewed my friend, Logan Albright, who is the head research analyst at FreedomWorks for Freedom Gulch the other day, and asked how he felt about the future of liberty in America. According to Logan, here's another quote, In the long run, yes. In some ways, we're more controlled by government than ever before, but in others, we're vastly freer. The Internet allows for communication on a scale unimaginable just a couple of generations ago, and we've seen how that can be used to promote freedom. Um, Society is also liberalizing on issues like drugs and marriage, left libertarian issues, but still important to our freedom. The seasteading movement is very exciting, has a lot of potential. I think ultimately mankind will see the error of its ways and embrace voluntary societies. In the short term, though, yeah, we're probably in trouble. Sadly, Logan's doubt for the short term is pretty accurate. The most recent data compiled and reported by townhall.com last May shows about 55% of respondents aged 18 to 29, indicated in the IOP's poll that they would like to see the Democrat win. The article continues saying that exit polling data revealed 66% of the same demographic preferred Obama over McCain in 2008 and 60% favored Obama over Romney in 2012. The question I have for young liberals, progressive Democrats, whatever label the American left has placed on itself these days is this. What policy and plans you support are so good they should be enforced by gunpoint. Suddenly the tone changes, right? The same question can be thrown at conservatives in order to target issues such as the drug war. A lighter way of proposing the same question was asked by my former boss, Matt Kibbe. Do you believe in the freedom of individuals to determine their own futures and solve problems cooperatively, working together? Or do you believe that a powerful but benevolent government can and should rearrange outcomes and make things better? My friends on the left, compassion isn't compassion when your ideas have to be fulfilled by the force of government. Neither is charity actually charity when the person you're taking from does not willingly consent to giving. There's a lot of ground to cover, and the conversation must continue. But the ultimate primer is this. If you claim to be the defenders of minorities, the least among us, if you claim to want a fair society, in no way, shape, or form can you justify your beliefs if it requires force, aggression, or coercion of the state. Christopher Mayer from the Mises Institute states this point clearly. This is another quote. The only consent that is meaningful and just must mean the And just must mean the explicit individual consent of each and every member that is to be governed, as Lysander Spooner for one asserted. It is plain that no government can be said to rest on the consent of the governed in this sense. Disagree with that statement is to say I care about the poor so much I'm willing to take the shirt off someone else's back. Whether it is the false promise of free college, The lies behind climate change, or the corrupted concept that healthcare is a human right. What needs to be understood is this world is complicated, but mutual cooperation amongst free people, uncoerced by the state, will always lead to a path of prosperity, while government will always try to impede and control. The truth is that a real liberal, a true classical liberal, would never push policy so humane, so compassionate, that it has to be enforced by the end of the barrel of a gun. So Hillary Clinton supporters, Sanders fans, feeling the burn, what are you willing to do about issues facing the country? Use your own passion and labor to bring about a better change through mutual cooperation amongst free and willing people, or will you sell out to the state that corrupts everything it touches? The choice is yours. The option between liberty and tyranny is clear. I hope you'll take the time to understand and learn more about the five principles of liberty, Principles that hopefully will show you what great and beautiful things can occur when you respect the rights of man and their freedom to choose. Young liberals, it's time to consider liberty as an option. I thought it was really good when I read it. I thought it was something um, interesting to ponder on because I'm always looking for ways as an in when I'm talking to somebody, especially young people who didn't experience what some of us older baby boomers did. They don't even know about it. They've never been taught about how it was to grow up in turbulent times that were not all that different, actually, except for the coercion from the government. We didn't have as much. Um, But we had the same ideals. We had the same view of what life should be like. We just had different ways that we thought we should get there. So um, when we talk to people that are younger, and I would say it's that, demographics they're talking about, the 18 to 29-year-olds, we find that they're different than the ones that are a little bit older that maybe are the ages of our own children who are maybe in their 40s, 30s, late 30s, and um, into their 40s. And um, their attitudes are completely different. And i am I'm thinking, I don't know if it's true or not, but I think that the slightly older group, the ones that are into the late 30s and into their 40s, um, those people are going to be more and more upset with the fact that the baby boomers ran things late because a lot of us had our vitality and our interests late. We're not going to want to retire earlier. You know. We're going to want to hang into to the bitter end because we have a lot of energy in general. Um, and I won't say that there aren't people that have attitudes either because there are. It's like I'm going to still run things. Um, so they're They're feeling like they're missing their good years of their career development because baby boomers haven't left yet. It's like they're the ones, I believe, that are putting the pressure on. Like, get out. Get off the stage. Give us our chance. You know, we're going to be at retirement. We haven't even lived yet. And you've had plenty of time. So get out. That's how they feel. The ones in their 20s are seeing what's happening because look at what they have for a life. They're... Backgrounds. A lot of them have been really bizarre because the parents have been farming them out here and there and everywhere. They've been, you know, they've been traveling around almost like the hippies were, where from one day to the next they don't know where they live or who their parents are, what the family makeup's going to be, and um, they've come out to be very resilient. Um, in my opinion, they're mature at a younger age than some of the ones that are in their thirties. Um, and they're thoughtful. If you talk to them, they're thoughtful. The ones that are out working, you ask them, you know, how are things going, and they'll tell you, you know, I'm going to school and I'm doing this. They're they're very um, ambitious. And I think that we've got a bit of an age war going on as far as, you know, people who think they have missed the boat, or and it's going to be those people in the middle, the ones that are, coming to what would normally be the heyday of their career, say. And now they've got these people in their 20s that are very ambitious that are going to come in and start pushing them out. So they got pushed on both ends, and I think it makes them mad because they think they're missing their opportunities. Anyways, I probably already said that twice. All right, so anyway, that is just something I found that I thought was an interesting launching off point for discussion. Oops, did I give it to
2: you already? Nope, I didn't.
1: So how's everything going in here? I'm coming in to see if I get you all to sleep or not. I see people have been in and out. They probably came in and said, oh, God, it's her again. She's reading. So I'm leaving. I got to get back into it again. I took some time off and I really rested and read and did some things here. And like I said, I've been studying on narcissism and psychopaths because of people that I know, that I've known in my life that were. And I had no idea. I had no idea I was a sitting duck for these people. And uh, so I ordered a couple books, and one of them I've been reading that I've just started, actually. I've read two chapters so far. It's called Psychopaths free. And um, it was recommended a bunch of places. And um, I'm relating it to the um, kind of an insight that I had last year, which was that these people rise to the top because they're ruthless and they have no conscience. So, of course, they would because they'll step on anybody to get to the top. So, that's, you know, what I've been studying on. Um, and learning how I can protect myself better in the future, which is, I was laughing about it the other day, because I said, uh, you know, I could probably teach the class now, and one of the things I would say is, we need to learn how to tell somebody to, it's a swear word, how to get lost, basically, but with the swear word so it's good and strong and they understand it because they don't understand nuances or sweetness and kindness. They don't get it. They think it's not uh, useful. so They'd probably find a way to twist it back around. All right. um, Desert Pete, I've been wandering around here and there and you said you had a lot tonight so I probably ought to get you on if you can so that we don't try to put so much in that everybody leaves so if you have time to call in can you now and if you can't that's okay I'll blab on a little bit longer until you can
2: I keep forgetting to pull down my scrolling thing
1: Okay, let's see. The last potato chip I remember worth mentioning was when I lived near Chicago 30 years ago. Jay's was cooked in peanut oil and super delicious. Speaking of peanut oil, while you're calling in, I bought a small fry later. I haven't had one for a long time because I hate the mess they make. But I bought one because it was on sale, and I thought, hey, I've got a chance. I used to be the French fry maker at my house growing up, and I got good at it. So I figured, I'm going to make French fries. And the first thing I said was, because the directions said get vegetable oil, and I was like, oh, no, it's got to be peanut oil. And I went looking for peanut oil, and it's not available everywhere anymore. I actually bought like a gallon of it somewhere at a, like a, a little grocery store called Save-A-Lot, which is a bargain grocery store. And it, it's a brand name one, I guess, that's known all over the country. They probably have to ship it in just for people asking for peanut oil because it's expensive. It's like 13 or $14 to buy that stuff. But I'll tell you what, I've made French fries twice this week, and they are good. And potatoes are very cheap here in Maine, so. Someday we'll have to compare all our prices from everywhere. Probably they're cheap everywhere because potatoes are pretty plentiful. But...
2: Um, see.
1: So we've got people coming in and out, and I don't know if they are doing that because they can't find anything else to do or what. Okay. Okay. I don't know what the conference thing means. Maybe you
2: dialed it wrong. I'm not sure.
1: I've dialed slightly before or something happened in the system where it told me I was in a conference and I, what I did was I hung up and called back in because I either dialed it wrong or the system took it wrong, one or the other. Because they do have conferences too. You're not showing on my board as being here. So on the phone, just on your computer. <clears throat> Let's see if there's anything else that I should bring
2: up before...
1: I'll look at this real quick. Oh the stuff going on out in Oregon. I'm sort of half following that, but I'm reading up on it a lot because there's tons of background to that regarding timelines of the Bureau of Land Management coming in and the ranchers it's similar to what was going on at the Bundy Ranch, which is that people had used this land for years, and that was something that I guess is licensed out in the west so And then the Bureau of Land Management came in and started putting all these conditions on everybody. But as far as the rest of it, I'm not really sure because there hasn't been a lot of media coverage about it. But if you look around on on the Internet and on YouTube and stuff, you'll see interviews that people have done with these ranchers. So you can hear it directly from them. Nothing better than a primary source hear it directly from them and not through the filters of the mainstream
2: media.
5: Does it, Here now. Hello, Does it, Pete? Yeah. Here am you. I? Am I finally on?
1: You are on. I just unmuted your phone, so I can okay. hear you. Okay.
5: Uh, my voice is probably going to be a little slurred tonight. I've got a really sore left jaw, and
1: it's, Uh-oh. it's
5: it's really difficult to not be able to chew in stereo.
1: What happened to you?
5: Oh, last year I. Yeah, last year, what, two weeks ago. I I bit into a, a tough artichoke that uh my goodness, it was like chomping into a corn husk. And uh I, I bit it too hard and I think I did two ugly things. I I both split one of my teeth vertically and I, and I injured my jaw in the process, although I think it's the reason the jaw hurts is because of the vertical crack on the tooth. That means every time I, I food gets over that direction and I press down on it, it tries to split the push the tooth apart. So, uh I'm showing on the other side of the mouth which unfortunately is already missing a tooth. So uh So does yeah. that
1: tooth need to be like crowned or does it need to be pulled or what?
5: I don't know. I can't afford to pay a professional to tell me, uh, but I'm, I'm sorry to report that Desert Pete is starting to look like Gabby Hayes. With, <laughs> with, <laughs> with I'm
1: telling teeth. you, it's bad because like I haven't gone yet to the dentist and I have three broken teeth. I don't think I could do it if I was in pain from my teeth. They're not really hurting me except for if I put something cold or hot on them, but i'm I'm gonna try to do something. I don't know what it is yet, for sure. the,
5: the last time I looked at, at rates for various types of dental work, it looks like just if you need the the slightest of work done, you're talking thousands of dollars.
1: Do You have any free dental clinics out there, or reduced No, day? We no. have them here, but you have to have a certain you have to fill out stuff and you have to you know prove it basically that you're lower income and stuff but they'll do they'll do things for people who have like low income or no income they will do some services obviously they're not going to do fancy stuff for people but at least you wouldn't be in pain you know what i mean i just don't think it's right that people who took care of their teeth all their life like we did we went to the dentist when we were kids we've been to the dentist for years on end and now we have, you know, we get to this age, and and you know, it's like now your mouth is going to go to hell because you don't have money.
5: It's not right. Yeah. Now the good union jobs with uh, with union health care and such have dropped by the wayside as of what ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, uh, you're right. We're out on our own. We we can't lean on mom and dad's help anymore. <laughs>
1: This is tough over age 60. (laughs) When I went to the dentist, I did go to a dentist, but it was one of these, probably a nationwide type franchise or something. I don't know what it was. I had part of my teeth cleaned. I was supposed to go back and get more done because I hadn't been for two or three years, I guess, because my dentist got sick or died or something. He couldn't practice anymore, and it was sudden. So... It all these things coincided, so by the time I got there, I hadn't been to the six months cleanings I was going to. You know what I mean? I was going to get cleanings done, I was having routine stuff done, and my teeth were in good shape still. Yeah. And um, but I had just broken one, that's why I was forced to go. Right. So I went, got some cleaning done because they wouldn't do anything until my teeth were cleaned. They wouldn't do anything. They did some X-rays. That was it. And I was supposed to go back in. I think it was like three months and get a crown done. crown was going to cost $1,300. I said, I don't have $1,300 to do it. And um, they said, well, we'll give you the application for financing because they had some type of financing option you could do. And I looked at it and I was like, I don't have the income to be doing this. I can't do it. I mean, so in other words, if you don't have the income or the credit, you can't Mm -hmm. have your teeth worked on. It's crazy. Yeah. So people need to... You know, they need to be waking up and figuring out that you can't just, like, abandon people because they don't have money.
5: Yeah, so all all we poor can do is just try to keep some colloidal silver handy and, and slosh that around your mouth so you never get an infection with your that's injury. That's
1: exactly what I have been doing all winter. Yeah. Exactly. Actually, I did it all summer, too. I yeah. sloshed colloidal silver in my mouth.
5: Yeah. And as expensive as that sounds, that's actually cheaper than... <laughs> well, else.
1: and the thing is look how many times they told us that a broken tooth can kill you because of the infection that it can get going a broken teeth can kill a person I've got three at least I may have four they're not all horribly broken some of them are just you know, one of the little yeah. points that's broken off or something but the thing is that any crack like that you can get an infection and, and it's, it's bad and they don't care
5: I mean, well, it's just
1: like, what? Why don't you do the work, and, you know, I'll pay you when I can.
5: Yeah. You know, when I finally got brave enough to get a flashlight and look close in the mirror, uh, the tooth that apparently is cracked is one that I had an amalgam filling put in, what, 30-plus years ago.
1: They told me at the dentist that a lot of us baby boomers were having broken teeth because of those fillings, because yeah. they expand, apparently, when you get older, and they break the the outer part of the tooth that there is weak. Yeah. So it cracks, Uh, it cracks easily. I mean, I wouldn't even feel anything, and I'd just like, what the heck is that I'm biting on, pull out a piece of tooth. It's like, oh, man, I wouldn't even feel it breaking off.
5: The other thing that probably contributed to brittleness in the teeth over the years was uh, fluoride in the toothpaste. I I didn't wise up to that until about 10 or 12 years ago and and went over to non-fluoride toothpaste. I was an uh, ice eater. You were what?
1: Ice. I ate ice.
5: Chewed ice. They
1: said, don't ever do that. I was like, whoever told us that? They told us everything else, like wear clean underwear and all kinds of different (laughs) things, but they never said anything about eating ice, and I've always done that. I bite ice. I like it.
5: (laughs) Well, some parental advice was pretty good, but but you're right. I don't bite
1: on ice these days, no.
5: I I, I don't know. I, I didn't like that in my Illinois days, and I sure don't like it in California, but, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, shocks, my other teeth problems, I, I was trying to remember what, what was I eating at the time, because everybody, oh, advertisements always imply that, uh, oh, you won't notice any dental problems, so you bite into a hard apple, or, or chew on a really tough steak, and I'm thinking, No, I was actually biting into a soft hot dog when one tooth went bad on me. And recently, who'd have thought that an artichoke could do damage to my jaw, but it did. I didn't realize they got that tough. Uh, So, anyway, learning as I go here. But but I'm not aware of any free dental work in this area. I, I know we sure don't have any free mechanics in this area. And even affordable mechanics, you don't want to go anywhere close to. Uh, so, so stepping, uh, or should I say, segueing from from that from bad mechanic problems, I'll go into some good news here. My okay. my, my free car finally passed California smog.
1: Awesome.
5: But, man, the rigmarole I had to go through. And I got to tell you what I learned when I finally got it to pass. Uh, first off, the guy who's giving me the car went to the trouble of buying the right catalytic converter. Uh, first one he bought was the wrong whatever and had to swap that. And then was my big hassle of trying to find a, a shop to get it installed for a price that I could afford. So, I finally got it installed uh, just before Christmas and then uh, waited until the first business day after Christmas, and since I had flunked two times at this one smog station in Ridgecrest, I was desperate. I I finally learned the the technical term is called a pre-inspection. Yep. Yep to where they can uh, uh, test your car before they hook it up to the state's uh, computers. And I thought, well, this is my third and last chance, and if it needs something in addition to a catalytic converter, I need to know about it now. And Ridgecrest had nobody that did pre-inspections, none. Uh, So I had to drive 90 miles down to Lancaster, to the nearest place that advertised on the internet of doing pre-inspections. So, drive all the way down there, uh, get the thing hooked up, uh, or I, I drive it in and tell him yeah, I've got to do a pre-inspection. Well, that's when I find out that that's an extra $25,
3: <laughs> which
5: he <laughs> forgot to mention on the website. So yeah. what? Uh, it was Lancaster, which meant his regular smog inspection was half what it cost up in Ridgecrest. So that extra 25 actually brought me right back to what it would have been to just do another one at, at Ridgecrest. Trouble is, I flunked two of them in Ridgecrest. All right, so uh, before he hooks it up, he said, uh, just out of his own curiosity, do I happen to have uh, the, the the previous test so he could look at it and see what went wrong and, and, and give me any recommendations if, if I needed them? When he looked at the two tests that I had failed, he said, why did he test it this way? And I go, what do you mean? He said, all two-wheel drive vehicles are supposed to be done on a dyno. This guy hooked it up as if it was a four-wheel drive vehicle. That's illegal. Was
1: that to make you do work on the car?
5: That proves that that everybody, every mechanic in this area is a total moron.
1: A moron.
5: You cannot get competent mechanical help in this area. I would say this town, but Trona doesn't even have any mechanics. The few hillbill- hillbillies you run into that say, oh, yeah, I'll do such and such. When they go to work in your car, you see their their full tool chest consists of one screwdriver and one pair of pliers. Oh, yeah. uh, that's the hillbillies we have in this town. But then you go over to Ridgecrest, and oh, yeah, they'll charge you an arm and a leg to get something done. But do they know what they're doing once they get under there? I went to one place that said ASC Certified Mechanic. He had to work on something near the radiator, and so to make sure the the fan didn't come on while he had his hands in that area, he removed the fuse from the, from the panel. Once he was done working on it, he forgot to put the fuse back in. I then proceeded to commute on my job at that time down in Los Angeles, 130 miles away, on a car that had no running radiator you can guess what happened to the engine. That was an ASE certified mechanic in Ridgecrest that did that to me. I didn't discover the removed fuse until several months later after I had already salvaged sold the car. Um... Anyway, I want to get back to the good news here, but I'm just leading up to the parade of idiots I've had to go through to get up to this final point that it finally passes. Uh, So he looks at it and he says, these first two tests were done wrong, which immediately tells me, that first test I failed by one part per million. You're telling me now that if it had been hooked up right, I might, might have actually passed on the first test?
1: And had the car all this time.
5: And not have to go through two catalytic converter swaps uh, and all the frustration of trying to find a mechanic to install it? All right, water under the bridge. Uh, uh, he said, well, let's do the pretest. So he runs it through the pretest. It flies with passing colors. It suddenly it looks like a new engine. Okay, so. Uh, Passed the pretest, so let's hook it up to the uh, to the real test. So he he runs that, and I pulled out my cell phone and snapped a picture of his equipment while it was running. Something else bizarre happened to me during the forty-five minutes I was in his smog station. As I was getting hooked up, and I went into the waiting area, a lady in there says, "You don't want to sell that car to you." I go, well, I, technically, I haven't even bought it yet. She goes, oh, that's exactly what I'm looking for for my son. And she aggressively grabbed a piece of paper and wrote her phone number down and said, if if you change your mind and you want to sell it, call me immediately. It's exactly the car I, I, I wanted for my son. I thought, that's odd. Nobody's ever been that aggressive to buy anything from me. So, okay, I stuck it in my file folder I had with me and went on about the test. And uh, then the technician comes back to me and says, yeah, it all passed. Here's your, your certificate. I handed him the cash and uh, and thanked him and said, wow, finally, I have a, I have a legal car in California.
1: Yeah, pretty awesome. Uh,
5: right after he handed me that and then he went back to his work, another black gentleman walked up to me and said, you want to sell that car? And I said, well, I said, technically, I don't even own it yet. I'm in the process of buying it from a friend way up in Alaska. That's why it's got Alaska plates on it. And I said, personally, I'd actually prefer to be driving a different car than this one because I I have other preferences and vehicles. So I said, what what price are you going to offer me? He uh, said $1,200 cash on the spot. And I thought, well, I've never had an aggressive offer to buy something that fast, but I said, I, uh, I've had a personal transportation problem. And I said, I need wheels that run. And I said, I haven't been able to find anything that runs in this state for less than 5000 And I said, my nephew works at CarMax. They don't have anything on their lot lower than 10000 and the fellow said, uh, decently dressed, nice guy. Said, Well, I'm I don't live in in a CarMax economy. And I said, Well, I don't either. I, I said, Can can you find me another car that actually runs for twelve hundred? And he couldn't answer my question. And I said, Well, then I'll have to decline your offer
4: Yeah.
5: <laughs> I said, I'm I'm desperate to find wheels that work. Uh but, man, he wanted to pay me cash on the spot for that thing. And so there, in in less than 30 minutes, I had two cash offers for that car.
1: Probably because of just what you said. It's hard to find a car that's running that's not too expensive.
5: Yeah. We have uh, people that I,
1: sell cars here on these uh, swap and sale sites. They're like yard sale sites. And um, there's always cars on there. Almost every day, there's cars on there.
5: Yeah. Well, so anyway, yeah. I I we parted friends, and I thanked him for the for the <laughs> for the offer. But I said I I really need this this thing to just to get around myself. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, I, I thanked him. We went our separate directions. Uh, so okay, I'm I'm getting all my paperwork organized, and I. I climb back in the car and I, I back it out of the test station and I'm I'm still sitting in in his entry driveway there uh collecting my papers before I hit the road for my big long drive home. And uh the technician walked up to my window, I ran it down. Uh he wanted to talk to me and he said, uh if if you're in the process of buying this car, I suggest you get an alarm system on it immediately. <laughs> And I said, oh, why Why is that? He said, this model happens to be the most stolen car in Los Angeles.
1: Maybe they thought you'd stolen it and it was hot because it had Alaska plates.
5: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: um. It's a very interesting underground economy going on in the U.S.
5: Well, I I thanked him for letting me know that, and I said I let him know that I had just gotten two two offers in thirty minutes at his location. So I said, if I ever want to sell another car, I'll come down and, and park it in your in your parking lot.
1: Maybe if you expressed interest, they would have said, well, I'll just take it for a little drive around the block, see if I like it.
5: Oh. Uh, <laughs>
1: and you would never have seen it again. That would have been your adventure for tonight.
5: That could have been it too. <sighs> But,
1: uh, oh, I'm glad but in any got event, thing done. Uh,
5: but but the point I'm leading up to is, you have to go to a city to find really competent technicians and mechanics. <laughs> yeah, you can't find them out here in the desert. Um, uh, and occasionally you'll find one that's not only an intelligent technician; he's also got lots of street smarts. <laughs> and that was a a valuable conversation I had with him there. Yep. Um, So now I've got the sad news of knowing that I really don't dare even put any valuables in the trunk if I go down to Los Angeles uh, because the whole car may be gone when I come out from a restaurant or wherever.
1: Well, Uh, I'm sure there's ways you can also be safer with it, like where you park and stuff like that.
5: Well, yeah, if you go into a restaurant, you park it right in a window right in front of where you're eating. Yeah, and you do you have those
1: um, parking garages where you have to have, like, a ticket to come in and out?
5: Uh, well, it's, I try to avoid expensive places like that, even if it yeah, is see, 2 bucks, Yeah, I but, see what uh, you mean.
1: But I was just thinking it must be hard to steal a car inside of a parking garage, but maybe they do that there, too. I don't know. It's not anything I like. Like I said, I don't like cities, so I avoid them. Yeah. Because I would be doing something that would be seen as really stupid. Like, why would you do something like that? Because I didn't grow up in a city, and I don't live in cities, that's why. It wouldn't even occur to me that somebody might steal a car parked on a street. Yeah. That not well, happening here.
5: Uh, I think the reason it's so easily stolen is you've got an easy trunk release uh lever they up in in the cabin right next to the driver's seat oh. uh which means they only have to jury jimmy the uh the window open uh to get the door open, and once they can do that, they can pop the trunk lid and if there's anything valuable in the trunk, they'll grab that instead of the car or whatever uh, so in other words, the security on this year Honda it's an early nineties. And the security was really nowhere near what what you'll find on a contemporary car,
3: Yep.
5: and the ignition it's it was probably a another just bang it with a screwdriver and short two wires kind of a thing uh the stuff they do on television spy shows all the time yep. uh that you can't quite get away with with the with the present security systems although the fancy security systems can get hacked and drive you into a tree on Highland Boulevard in Hollywood but uh but that's another story uh you really have to have some uh some pretty high-end enemies to to get your car hija- hijacked like that like Hastings did but um, so anyway that that was the first thing on my list for tonight um on my website and any, if there's anybody new on there, let me put the uh, put my URL up in the chat.
1: Yep, I'm just making some tea. Green tea. See if we can be healthy here.
5: <coughs> um, yeah, I've got several stories right under that link that uh, tie into what I'm about to be mentioning here. Um oh have you uh, did you notice any uh any strange military acti- uh plane activity over the the holiday stretch?
1: Um heard some I believe early morning and it seems like we heard some big cargo planes a couple of times but I don't know when that would have been probably the last week of December somewhere in there maybe Val uh, says, put a sign on it. This car is being followed by the FBI.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a good idea. Val M., he said it was a Honda. She asked what kind of car it was.
4: Yeah, Honda Accord.
5: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Say, I, I have the same enemies as Michael Hastings. If, uh, if you're caught driving this the same time that my enemies... Uh, <laughs> Take yeah. out their vengeance. Good luck. <laughs>
1: yeah, good luck.
5: Uh, this
1: car is in the witness protection program.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Under surveillance at all times. Uh,
5: several terms. <clears throat> uh, the the weirdest plane thing that happened here uh, about a week ago. Uh, some hot dog F eighteen pilot did a low altitude sonic boom flyover
1: over your town.
5: Yeah. Nice. FAA says that's illegal to, to do sonic booms over a, a populated, uh, civilized area, but Trona does not qualify as a civilized, populated area. <laughs> uh,
1: that's funny. There's got to be a money-making scheme in that little comment you just made. That's funny. Uh, Trona doesn't qualify as a civilized sonic- area.
5: Yeah, sonic booms, if you've ever heard one, is, is kind of a, a surprise sound to hear the ground shake under you and all the windows rattle and such.
1: We grew oh. up with that. I don't oh. hear it here as much as I did growing up. As a child, we heard it all the time because we were near Lauren.
5: Yeah, but when that guy's only about 1,000 feet overhead... Yep. Uh,
1: it breaks think, stuff. Uh,
5: almost, Yeah.
1: It used to knock things off walls and stuff. People would complain about Grammy's vase that hit the floor or something because it would rattle everything.
5: Yeah, I just happened to have stepped outside to, uh, oh, reach for something in the car, and so I was standing on loose sand when it when it happened, and I could almost feel the sand shake. Oh, when that. If I
1: was outside, I probably would have hit the deck. Did you dive <laughs> out of the way?
5: No, I I immediately knew what it was because it was it was more noise than than shake, but man was that loud. Um. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, that's the only military stuff. Let me check that out there. Um, yeah, the uh, the Porter Ranch story uh, that you broke and you found it in. Your newspaper there in Maine, right, in Bangor? No,
1: I. what I did was I was cooking dinner that night, and it was on the national news while I was watching TV and cooking dinner. I have a little TV over on the sideboard. And oh. um, I heard them talking about it, and I looked at it, and I was like, what the heck is that? Because they were showing the videos, and they just kept saying, in California, in California, in a small town in California. And I thought, why are they not saying what town this is? because my radar went up. I was like, why would you not say what town it is? I thought that was so odd. So I listened to the whole thing. Sure enough, they never said what town it was, so I went looking it up, and then I found it online about it. That's how I knew it was Porter Ranch. Because I think they were saying like a Southern California, a small Southern California town. And then they talked about what the facility was called, but they never said what town it was. And they were saying how... The residents had been living there for, gosh, wasn't it, like three or four months without any um, notification that they were in something they shouldn't be breathing. Like, they left them there without doing anything. They didn't evacuate them or anything. And I guess it's gotten worse. Is that right?
5: Do you happen to remember what TV network it was that you heard it on?
1: I think ABC, because that's what I normally watch. Really? Uh, I think so. Why?
5: I'm I'm astounded ABC would use such idiotic terminology as calling Porter Ranch a small town.
1: Well, they may have uh, said in a small town near something, like in other words, given a okay. bigger town name. But they never said Porter Ranch.
5: Let, let me they speak. were
1: very cagey about it, and that's why I, it raised my red flags, because I thought, why would you not mention it?
5: Is let, it like,
1: let, you know, someplace yeah.
5: that
1: sucks or what?
5: Let me change hats here for a moment, <laughs> okay. not speaking as, as Desert Pete in this decrepit old town of, out in the desert. I'm going to talk as XXX, my, riddle, my real name Los Angeles resident here, 30 years.
1: Los Angeles resident, yep. Uh,
5: One of the many towns that I lived in, and Los Angeles people move every three years. I think that's the average. Uh, One of the towns I lived in was Porter Ranch. Los Angeles County is continuous city from downtown Los Angeles clear up to Santa Clarita you have continuous homes, you, you don't have any rural stretches of farms, it is continuous buildings all the way up to Santa Clarita is the first stretch of open territory that you'll find a ranch in, a ranch or a farm. Uh, Porter Ranch is part of the way up there. Porter Ranch sits next to some geologically challenging hills which makes it very expensive to build on. And the only hills that are that steep that people go to the extreme expense of building on uh, are the Hollywood Hills, which granted are just as steep, but 90% Ninety percent of the price of a Hollywood Hills home is the cost of the construction. You have to build them on stilts. I mean, it's it's outrageous. Uh, but that's that's Hollywood Hills and that's California for you. Uh, Porter Ranch sits right next to to hills that are that steep. Uh, Porter Ranch is over a hundred thousand people there. Hmm. Uh, it's also for upcoming young professionals, as I was way back in those days, Uh, it was a nice upscale neighborhood to look forward to working your way up to. I would best describe Porter Ranch as not the super elite moguls, like the Hollywood moguls, the Sam Goldwins and Mayer and and the the big fat cats that run the whole Hollywood industry. Not them. They live in Beverly Hills and and Malibu, and that's millions of dollars for those places. Forget that. But the successful working class, I mean somebody who really got up to being a a top-level manager at a big company, that's who lives in Porter Ranch. Uh, Two people I know that also lived in Porter Ranch, to give you an example, Herb Alpert's personal recording engineer lived in Porter Ranch. Uh, he did not control the record industry. He had to show up five days a week and do what Herb Alpert told him to. But he was the top engineer at A&M Records. He lives in Porter Ranch. Uh, the other person I know was the... word does title right. He was the electronic engineer responsible for the entire West Coast satellite link for ABC television network. Hmm. Uh, ABC, uh, well, it, it fed the network either from New York or from Los Angeles. Well, this was the guy responsible for keeping all those satellite dishes in Los Angeles working. Okay, so when but he was a working class. He still had to show up 5 days a week and 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 work for somebody else. He didn't own ABC. So what I'm saying is the successful working class aimed for Porter Ranch. That is the uh, the caliber people that that try to live there. And that's why shucks the the only reason I was able to live there is I shared the house with two other working bachelors who both had good paying jobs at the time uh and as I did at the time and together we were able to split the cost of renting a house no way could we even afford to buy there uh but that was the only way I was able to to nose into a neighborhood like that um so so anyway that that's the caliber home that lives there it's not run-down dumps like you find here in Trona and, and whatnot. So anyway, not not to overly praise Porter Ranch, but ju- just to give you an idea of, of the caliber of people that live there. And it's full of families, y- young professionals. Uh, a lot of people are there. And for somebody on ABC, of all places, to call it a small town?
1: Well, I'm not sure it was ABC, but I'm <laughs> right now I'm trying to find... Yeah. Uh, a possible video that I may have seen because I thought I might recognize it. But mm-hmm. everything I see online says Porter Ranch all over it. So it either was yeah. just a, an update or... I don't know, but you hadn't heard of it either. You were surprised I know. when well, I mentioned it. So. Of, course,
5: of course, I don't even have a regular television here.
1: <laughs> yeah, but here's true, the funny thing. is like someone our, should have been talking about it.
5: Our, okay. our alternative news guys, Rance Jones on even able danger. Uh we usually have our, our ear to the ground on a lot of important stuff like this. And I didn't see any of our news guys mentioning, "Oh, there's a serious methane leak in Southern California" until over a week or two after you and I were Chuck talk- were discussing it on on the sh- on here on Nuda. Yeah,
1: because I don't think they wanted it to get out. It was around the time of the um so whatever weekend that was when they were doing that big um climate change conference that everybody went to over in yeah. Was it France? It was right then.
5: Paris and I think yeah. they didn't
1: want those two things on the news at the same time. So whatever date that was, that's around when it was. So uh, probably I could find that by looking in my chat.
5: Yeah, well here's the uh the the ugly irony uh okay. is we are discussing it on UDA during the Paris peace talks. Yeah, the Paris climate change talks. That guess where Jerry Brown, our governor, was at? He was over oh, in are? Paris,
4: yeah,
5: hobnobbing with uh, all the international elites over there. Um, uh, he wasn't paying any attention to this. And a comment I put in the chat board early tonight was that uh, Moonbeam Brown finally woke up to a crisis in his own state and declared a state of emergency just three days ago.
1: Yeah, I saw that it was – was that because it got worse or because there was a tension on it? Oh, it, it, Is it getting worse? The
5: the, uh, the FedEx uh, urgent messages to his desk finally shuffled through ah. to the right person. hmm and he just became aware of it like four days ago. Um, time flies. It's in it. Anyway, he's only responded to it within the last week. And the event started way back, actually before October. It was acknowledged October 26th by Southern California uh, Gas, uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, pg and I think it is. So- SoCal Gas, Southern California gas. Yeah, it's uh,
1: Southern California. Yeah.
5: Uh, Jerry Brown's sister sits on the board of directors of that entity, uh, <laughs> for what it's worth.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, really. she
5: didn't think it was important enough to contact him in Paris about it.
1: Well, it probably was going before he ever went, wasn't
5: it? Uh as Aaron Brockovich, the uh the chosen celebrity attorney brought in uh for the event, uh started doing an investigation. She held a uh two hour meeting, oddly enough, at a church that I have attended there in Porter Ranch, uh briefly. Yeah. Uh I know more history about that church than I cared to even discuss, but the point is, uh that's where the big meeting was held at. And uh she discovered at that open hearing, open microphone, come up, tell us your story, that residents were noticing nosebleeds and sore throats a month before Southern California gas even acknowledged the leak. So something was leaking even before then. Okay, jumping to what do we know now. That particular well was first drilled in 1953. Uh, and that was under John Paul Getty's group, is who owned the property way back in those days. Uh, They found natural gas there, and John Paul Getty drained it dry, and about 20 years later, uh, sold an empty cavity in the ground over to Pacific Light and Gas. They then, knowing that it was empty, I mean, it's not like... Getty pulled a fastener on, Uh, they knew that they were buying an empty hole in the ground, but they turned around and started bringing in gas from other wells nearby and used it as a storage and central distribution location. Um,
1: Yeah, I remember that now.
5: Safety rules as they are, it was last officially inspected That particular well was last officially inspected in 1973 and found operational then. I should mention uh, federal regulation for a well of that category is that right at the bottom of the well, they have to have an emergency shutoff valve. Now, not up at the top, because things can go wrong on the whole length of the line there, they have to have an emergency shutoff valve right at its entry point to the gas well. Now, that's an expensive thing to plant, and when you think of the physics involved in that, I don't know how you would get something that's wider than the pipe in there, but somehow those guys know how to do it. Um, But that's a mandatory piece of equipment on all gas wells. It got inspected again in 1979, Found to not be working, so they removed it. but they didn't replace it. That well has been operating since nineteen seventy nine with no automatic or no emergency shutoff valve in its proper location. Jump ahead to twenty fifteen uh it's an eight thousand foot deep uh well I sh- eight thousand foot pipeline before it hits the the open cavity, Uh, 2,000 feet deep, the line ruptured for who knows what reason. Uh, So now the question is, if they had had the emergency shutoff valve down at the bottom, all they had to do was flip a switch, it stops all gas going into a a found-to-be-corrupt line, and the problem is solved, except that there was no shutoff valve down there. It was removed in 1979 and never replaced. Whose responsibility was that? Management at SoCal Gas. Who's on management? Jerry Brown's sister. What else do I have to say?
1: I know, but isn't it always like that? I mean, it's always a bunch of people that know each other and are covering up something. Yeah. Instead of just saying, hey, you know, we screwed up bad because we shouldn't have done that. Well, they're so worried because then the lawyers all come in and say, well, then whose fault is it and who's going to pay for this?
4: Yeah. But those well, people
1: still should have been removed from the area. No, and They weren't. They were told basically that everything was fine. They were okay.
5: One of the uh, stories that came out during our, our three-week shutdown here, uh, the residents of Porter Ranch were making some pretty outrageous claims that almost offended me they were saying, well, the the state owes us uh, relocation, and while we're being housed elsewhere, uh, they also need to be paying for security of our homes back at uh, back in Porter Ranch. And I thought, well, you're really stretching the limits of what the government should be doing for you, aren't you? But then I gave it a second thought. Those are million-dollar homes in Los Angeles County. What do you think those people are paying in property taxes?
1: Yeah, and not only that, but they probably don't need their house uh, vandalized while they're gone, and all That's stuff for sure. stolen. Yeah.
5: But uh, when you stop and think what they are actually paying in property tax, yeah, they do have a right to make a demand on government to pay back something that that they've been paying into.
1: Right, I believe uh,
5: that. Cause, I think.
1: Well, I mean, their taxes are too. <laughs> do things so that you don't have this kind of stuff happen and ruin your property value. Because Who's yeah. going to want to live there. They're going to know about it. They won't yeah, want to live uh, there. Even I, if I it's don't fine, think, they won't want to live there.
5: I don't think any of us here tonight are in favor of, of just runaway welfare and handouts and Obama phones and a bunch of stupid stuff. Yeah. Uh, but then again, when government extracts money out of your wealth, yeah, they better pay something back. I better see a school in my neighborhood. I better see a road that I can drive on. the uh, Government does owe you something back for the taxes they extract from you. And given how high the property taxes would be in Porter Ranch, and shucks, I was only a renter. I didn't even get to look at the property tax bill there on the place that I was in the brief time I lived there. Uh, I just know that it would be high. It would be very high. Uh, so yeah, they have a right to uh, uh, to make some some claims, and I and I don't blame them. And I, I won't resort to class warfare and show any jealousy against the people who can can afford to still be there, where I had to move out back in 1993, which ironically enough was one year before the earthquake hit. So <laughs> I picked a good time to leave the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, uh, so anyway if, if, a couple more comments here uh, don't want to spend the whole evening on it but uh, but this is really about the last really important thing on my list uh, so I am going to spend like a few minutes here on Porter Ranch um, do you know anything about a guy by the name of Dr. William P. Mount
1: I've heard the name
5: not He's recently posted... though
1: I think a couple years ago I was reading something
5: He's posted some uh, some very intelligent videos on YouTube. Uh, he seems very articulate and very knowledgeable on a lot of things. Uh, he just posted one about Porter Ranch. Now, a couple of his comments, I'm sorry to say, were, were kind of knee-jerk responses, and he didn't thoroughly read what he was commenting on. And a couple of his, his reference points were really out of context, and I I, I would correct him if I had the opportunity. Uh, but he did brought, bring up something that is very real. Only eight miles away from this leak is the location of the Rockadine-Santa Susana Pass 1959 nuclear meltdown. Rockadyne was running a top-secret nuclear reactor up in the hills at that time, and back in 1959 that was all orange groves and and rural property. And that's where Hollywood shot its westerns and, and such, was out in that area. Well, Rocketdyne had just built a new facility there right after World War II. And one of, since nuclear energy was the, uh, the hot topic to discuss in those days, and, and Eisenhower pushing uh, nukes for peace and whatnot, uh, Rockodyne was getting their fingers into the pot and they were running their own nuclear reactor up there in the hills. Something went wrong on the sodium cooling system, the uh, pipes corroded uh, faster than they thought, and this cooling system failed and the rods melted right through the reactor and went down into the soil and disappeared as it burned its way toward the middle of the earth. Uh, So that was the site of the nuclear reactor meltdown in Santa Susana Pass, which, as you look at it on the map, is only about eight miles away from this current gas leak up in Porter Ranch, Aliso Canyon. Uh, Dr. Mount points out the size of that cavity that all the natural gas in is rounded off, but essentially a cubic mile size cavity underground. Uh, that's a large cavity. I don't know what direction it stretches. I just know the drill point was Aliso Canyon, but just how far it went in each direction, I don't know. That is really close to where those nuclear rods were burning their way down through the soil for the last fifty-five, fifty-six years.
1: I heard something about that over the over the break. I think because I don't think you were talking about that um, last time. You talked about some of it, but I don't think you were talking about that. Well, is that you, did you email me that maybe because? i that sounds familiar to me maybe about that.
5: Uh, i I don't know i've I've stumbled across so many uh, so many shockers uh relating to, to to porter ranch in in the last three weeks and again yeah. i gotta thank you for bringing it to my attention uh i'm I'm just sitting blind out here in the desert. I didn't know a thing about it until you until you pointed it out to me, and now I've been following it um the one newspaper in Los Angeles, there's two big newspapers. One is called the Daily News. The other is uh, the, the L.A. Times. Uh, the Daily News is situated up in the San Fernando Valley. So their reporters, well, shucks, they, they probably have a lot of people who live in Porter Ranch themselves. So uh, they are right on top of the story, and they have daily stories, uh, updates on it. Uh, one I read just yesterday was interviewing uh, several Porter Ranch residents and uh, the leader of one of the uh, the community groups there. And I looked at the name and I go, I know her. She was the wife of an old friend of mine at church
4: <laughs> yep. back,
5: back in, in, in those days. Um, so uh, this it, is just, just too close to home. But anyway, Dr. William P. Mount is pointing out there's a strong likelihood now that that gas blowing out of the out of the uh, the leak point is radioactive, which leads well, to the well. next question: Is that another measurement that they're that Southern California Gas is forgetting to tell us about?
1: Uh, I don't think they're forgetting anything. It's more likely a cover-up.
5: Uh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm being facetious with that word, but uh, just the point is. Yeah, we know methane is explosive. We know you don't want to, well, and.
1: And once you, they you talk c- about CO2 as well,
5: it, uh, it's got a variety of health problems. Uh, but now the issue is raised maybe some of these health problems are due to radiation. Nosebleeds? I had. I have often heard that referred to in reference to radiation. Fukushima, yeah. A lot of children in the Fukushima area, nosebleeds.
1: I think carbon dioxide gives you nosebleeds too, if I'm correct. Okay. Like if you're suffocating because you don't have enough oxygen, your nose will bleed. Hmm.
5: Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm just asking questions here and raising issues that that some competent person needs to needs to address uh but uh setting aside William mounts two other misquotes I'll I'll have to forgive him for those it was just a matter of he read half of an article he didn't read all of it uh but uh his main point is very well taken. Yeah, that's real close to a former nuclear disaster and the two could be intertwining here. Nope. Uh, now, the other article that uh, Mount, well, yeah, I'll have to reference him. He quoted it, but he misquoted it. He uh, he went to an interactive chart that said, oh, look at these two communities that are, are developing all these leaks. Well, if he had read the article, those leaks were coming from known infrastructure problems in a 70 year old uh, gas line architecture throughout Los Angeles. And it's not that three leaks popped up in tho- just those three communities. No, those were the only three communities that bothered to take any tests. That's why three cities showed up, three small towns inside the huge Los Angeles city network. And like I say, Los Angeles is really a continuous city from downtown L.A. with its skyscrapers all the way up to Santa Clarita is the first time you'll find a farm. Um, Santa Clarita is, goodness, 40 miles north of downtown L.A. Um, But... uh, so L.A. is just continuous city for 75, 80 miles. And that's why when you mention uh, a small community, yeah, Porter Ranch, 100,000 people, small community, it's part of Los Angeles, be, be real. Um, so when these three other communities, uh, I think Pasadena, uh, I forget exactly which three it was, when they're showing known gas leaks, those are known to have been coming from a a corroding 70-year-old gas infrastructure. So it's not that only three leaks were discovered. It's that all of L.A. is leaking. A majority of it is from its old infrastructure. But let's be real. 1969, we had a 6.9 earthquake in Northridge. That is, I'm trying to remember the numbers now. Uh, that was six miles to the south of the present Porter Ranch leak. Six miles straight south is the epicenter to the Northridge earthquake. What was that? 1993 uh tw- 20 years ago but uh if the ground shook that bad 20 years ago uh maybe it's taken that long for uh for the cracks to finally crack through and uh stress is sometimes takes time uh an initial bump leads to a, a eventually a fracture and and what
1: it's going to be interesting uh, to see what happens out there. Because they had said in that story that I'd heard that it would be months before they could do anything. And I don't even know if they had a real clear idea of what they were going to do.
5: Well, as my news report on my page points out, the uh, the big shots of uh, Boots and Coots have been called in. And Boots and Coots was bought out by Halliburton a few years back. uh They're supposed to be professionals who know how to stop this sort of thing. Uh, But they've been on the scene for... Well, it was just shortly after we started talking about it. It's when they came out, so for at least two weeks now. And the first report was their first attempt to patch it failed. So now I guess they have to go to more drastic measures. But uh, they should have have the main leak fixed pretty soon, I would expect. Uh, But uh, one of my energy friends got in touch with a uh, a geologist friend of his, who has also been paying close attention to this uh, this whole scenario, and he pointed out that, well, it's it's a, a storage well and southern california gas apparently overpressurized it uh again it's 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 no longer generating its own natural gas it doesn't have anything inside it, itself to rot anymore and and make any more gas so they're bringing in gas from other wells and just using it for storage and distribution but in the context of using it just for storage and distribution they went and overpressurized it and that's why they're now generating multiple leaks everywhere. Uh, because getting back to uh, this one LA Air Quality District website that was pointing out what they called infrastructure leaks, I would tend to think they're probably correct on most of them, but if you look at that map you'll see they were finding natural gas anywhere and everywhere and you have to guess and almost bet that some of that is coming from that big storage well under Porter Ranch has just fractured and it was probably fractured back in the 1993 quake and it's just now reaching the surface because don't don't forget that cavity is eight thousand feet down. now, I forget how deep the the Northridge quake was. That's probably something I need to look up, see how close the epicenter was to the uh the actual uh cavity uh but maybe it's taken twenty years for the gas to seep up through the soil now and finally get to the surface uh, so uh Los Angeles is not the beautiful city that I admired when I moved there in '75. Uh, the the attitude in the San Fernando Valley when I when I first moved there was that it was a continuous small town that stretched out for twenty miles, and the attitude of everybody I I met in those days was like they were just another small town resident. Uh. But this is 30 years later, and things have really changed now. And we're now learning that, my gracious, I was sitting on a one-square-mile natural gas bomb all those years, and I didn't even know about it. Uh, and you can pretty well guess that all the realtors and who sold all those expensive homes up in Porter Ranch never bothered to mention that to any of their customers either. Because uh, I think most everybody who lives up in Porter Ranch was kind of surprised to learn that they were sitting on top of a one-square-mile natural gas bomb themselves on this house that they just paid up to a million dollars or more for.
1: Well, it certainly will be interesting to see where it goes next.
5: Yeah. Uh, will I'm they sure
1: have, it's not done
5: yet. Will they end up having to evacuate that part of the San Fernando Valley? Uh who knows if it ignites, yeah, horrible things could happen, or if we get another shaker on top of an ignition, well, now I'm writing a plot to a to another uh what
1: movie
5: disaster movie, but uh scary stuff to think about um, let me see uh just a sidebar remark if you want samplings of opinions across the country um, get on Craigslist and over in their social column on the left look for rants and raves just go to any city in the country and then look under that and you just walked into the back alley of the worst part of town. But at least you're not going to get stabbed in the back and you're not going to get mugged when you're on Craigslist. The point is, you'll see some opinions there that sometimes are pretty insightful. And yeah, it's almost always vulgar and profane, and the images, I'll just have to apologize to any ladies that go there. Uh, They're pretty gross, to put it Mildly, if any images are there, but some of the political opinions are extremely insightful. And uh, shucks, I. Uh, oh yeah, here, here was one, and it had a graphic. And this is one I uh, I just put up on Facebook because uh, this is direct and to the point shows uh, an, a Muslim wearing a turban carrying a machine gun. And the caption says, I wonder when Obama is going to tell the Muslims to stop clinging to their guns and, re- and their religion.
1: <laughs> That's a funny one.
5: Yeah. Uh, there's somebody who Put a picture and words together in a poignant method that I just haven't seen on any news pages, and not even on uh, <laughs> on, on some of our better better news reporting sites. Uh, Mike Rivera is excellent at at tying uh, 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 bumper sticker uh, thoughts to uh, to pictures, but uh, even he hasn't done this one yet.
3: Uh,
5: so. Uh, uh, so anyway, that that's just a, a way of sampling public opinion. I think that's that's uh, safer to do than than walking down some of the some of the shady neighborhoods in a big city. Uh, and let's see one other thing on my list here, and we can call it quits from uh, the West Coast. Uh, Consumer Electronics Show just started on Tuesday, and Monday night, a new electric car company made their big splash intro to the world. It's called Faraday Future. And they had an unveiling of a really exotic-looking sports car, or race car, or whatever you want to call it. And along with their unveiling, uh, this was a, a live over the Internet presentation, which I tuned in and, and watched it live. And then uh, all this was, was posted up later on uh, on the Internet. And Again, go to my my commute faster page and uh, I have links to most of those videos uh, Where did this company come from in their executives uh, description of the company there in the uh, in the opener they're only eighteen months old, but they already have seven hundred and fifty employees and they are break Excuse me. Drop the phone. They are breaking ground next month on a three and a half million square foot facility in North Las Vegas. Uh, I did a ballpark estimate on how much money you would burn up to get to that stage of development. They must have gotten their hands on over five hundred million dollars. Where did that money come from? Uh, I've, been, I've had an electronic device. I've been trying to find investment capital to get it finished now for, well, 2012 is when I went up to Silicon Valley, and we, we had a booth at a convention up there, and I tried to find some venture capitalists and uh, got wow, the same. that was
1: a lot. That doesn't seem like it was that long ago. We talked about that.
5: I know, so. but that, that was in 2012 was the year Holy I did that. Holy cow. That was Time pre- is going by fast. Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> Goodness, we're coming up on well three and a half, coming up on four years now, and I got the same story from everybody. Well, we can't invest anything until you show us something that works. Uh, we don't, we don't risk buying ideas on paper. Yep. Okay. Well, Faraday Future, eighteen months ago, only had an idea on paper they had nothing working now 500 million dollars and 18 months later really all they have was a mock-up car that was not even a street legal vehicle you look at the headlights and taillights on it that's not street legal in in any state that was a a a a mock-up vehicle yeah you might have been able to drive it across the building, but you can't drive it out on the street. Uh, that That's no better than a, a glorified child's go-kart uh, after $500 million. Where did... Now, I don't want to criticize them for where they're at, but I, you got to be blunt and honest. They are still in the R&D stage. They are still in their research and development stage. I have not been able to find any research and development money anywhere. And if anybody saw that uh that little 7-minute video I did uh with a gold mine owner who had come up with uh, a unique device himself for for separating gold from uh from similar weight uh soil. Uh he told me on camera there he could not find any R&D money himself either. Even for gold mining. The money just is not there. However, Faraday Motors, big splashy unveiling in Las Vegas uh, Monday night, uh, they found $500 somewhere. All right, well, so that's the teaser. A little further investigation, I now come to find out that's Chinese money that they're burning up. Well... My international source, uh, we'll just say from a three-letter agency, informs me that there are no independent millionaires in China. Any business deal written with China is done with the Chinese government. Huh. And and or they are part of the the team, shall we say. So Uh, they have
1: oversight of every contract.
5: Everybody from Apple to Caterpillar has learned to do business in China, you give up all of your patents. And China takes control of them on their turf. Um, You end up giving away your company to do any business with China. So, uh, if anybody's been to my company website, you'll see that uh, when I was up at Silicon Valley, uh, the only TV news crew that came in to interview uh, many of us who had booths on display there at the show was a Chinese news crew. And it got posted on Chinese television, I managed to get a copy of the clip, and I I reposted it on... uh, on my company page. But here's this nice, attractive young Chinese lady interviewing me about our technology. And uh, after the interview, she gave me her business card and said, if you're looking for investment, call me. Well, I asked my, my international expert I just referred to a few sentences back, and I said, well, maybe I can get some capital from her and... He said, I wouldn't touch that lead with a 10-foot pole. Mm-hmm. He says, she's working directly for the Chinese government, People's People's Republic of China. I go, do you know that for sure? He said, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> he says, there are no business deals with independent companies in China. Everything is done through the Chinese government. Okay, so knowing that, or learning that from him, I never bothered to call the lady. Uh, And I see four years later, somebody else did place a call. (laughs) And look what they've got. Somehow or another, they have nice paychecks and they're building a new facility in Vegas, and I'm still floundering in the desert. Um, Did I make a wise move? at least I don't owe my soul to the Chinese government. I will say that. I can proudly say that. <laughs> but I don't have any job over over here either. And I'd like to get a civilized house and have a, a running car in the driveway that's that's not <laughs> that's not the most stolen old used car in Los Angeles.
1: <laughs> that's funny. It's always uh, something, it's always something
5: so uh those are the uh, the paradoxes of life, I guess. Uh, that I I thought that was a wise move to to say, oh that that's too hot to touch, and uh, and I I better not uh, better not talk to that person. Well, somebody did, and look where they <laughs> look where they are today. Uh, oh well.
1: Oh well, that's right.
5: Yeah. So anyway, those were my, my hot topics on uh, on the list tonight. So I hope I didn't go too long there on that.
1: Got to get back into the swing of things. Got to figure out what is going on if we ever can. But it's easier than it used to be, that's for sure.
4: Because yeah. now you
1: know where to look, you know which companies to look at, you know which people to look at, and uh, not to take anything they tell you as the truth because it usually isn't. It's pretty interesting watching some of these upper level people now there throwing each other under the bus right and left, and it's kind of like it's showing what was going on in the background, because you can tell by the look on their face when they're betrayed by somebody they thought was loyal, and um, it's going to be interesting. There's a lot with Bill Clinton lately. I thought it was really, really funny that he was coming out onto the stage again to talk, because He would have been better off to stay in the shadows um, and let his, you know, legend linger on or whatever because he's nothing like the old Bill Clinton. There is none of that left. There's nothing left in that guy. You can tell he's extremely sick and old. So I don't know what. Maybe she's trying to run him around so he'll just drop and then everybody will have the sympathy thing for her. I don't know. But he couldn't even put a sentence together to speak, people asking him stuff, and he just, like, couldn't even process anything. I mean, he used to be sharp, whether or not people liked him or not. He was still sharp, and he could speak, and he had a lot of charisma for people. I mean, they enjoyed seeing him, even if they didn't like some of the stuff he was doing. And he's just (laughs) doesn't even look like the same person.
5: Well... Rather than complimenting with the term sharp, I'd call him able to be evasive on his feet.
1: Yeah, shrewd. Yeah. That's what I mean. Uh, Somebody who isn't uh, needing help from anyone. He could speak on anything at any time and, you know, be. Yeah. he, He knew what was going on. He was manipulating some of it, but I mean, if you asked him a question about something, he would know exactly not stupid whatsoever and I I don't think there's much going on in that brain right now I think he's all but gone he's like walking around like a shell did you see him the other day
5: no I haven't seen any of his recent clips uh, well,
1: you should go look at him because now they're going to hound him about you know his his uh, you know how his wife can talk about you know women's issues and stuff and about his shenanigans back in the day yeah. and Right. and probably still having them for all we know. We don't have any way of knowing that because he's been kind of out of the spotlight. But um, how how do they think he's going to go out and campaign for Hillary? He can barely form a sentence or have a thought that's lucid. Mm. He's not the same person. So everybody was like seeing him as he used to be because he's been, you know, he hasn't been around, and now they're throwing him out there. You know, well, I, on a human level, it's it's cruel.
5: <laughs> I I wasn't aware his health had taken that sharp of a turn.
1: Yeah, go look up some videos of him. You'll be surprised because he's been out and around the last few days, so he's showing up in clips here and there.
5: But then again, I hadn't expected my health to take, take as sharp a turn as it has in the last few years either. No. Uh,
1: well, at least you it, can still make It sneaks make up sentence. on you. If I asked you a question, you wouldn't be like staring at me like you don't know exactly what I asked you. I mean, he, uh, he's not really there. You'll you'll know when you see you'll see what I'm talking about.
5: I'm you know, not as sharp as Donald Trump is. Donald Trump is still able to think on his feet.
1: He was up in Burlington, Vermont tonight. He sold something like 20 or gave out, I don't know if they sell them or give them out, 20,000 tickets. And they were saying on the news, um, why did they do that when the hall wouldn't even hold that many people? I forget how many the hall would hold. And um, they had had some uh, pre, I don't know, either. Somebody told them or rumored it or whatever that some of the opponents were going to get tickets so that they could leak could not, you know, just not show up and leave a bunch of empty seats so it looked like Trump didn't get very many people so they gave out excessive amounts of tickets so that there was no possible way that mm. that would happen. It's just funny. Yeah, he's, he's definitely somebody who knows how to play the game.
5: Well, the, the few interviews I've watched of him, when supposedly a tough or... or or vaguely embarrassing question gets thrown at him, he really comes back with a good reply, nice and quick. And I'm thinking, man, I would have had the thought of that for several minutes to come back with a a sharp reply like that.
1: I think that he is very confident in what he says. That's one of the reasons why he can do that. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't leave it for other people. He doesn't have like a bunch of people he has to call to ask if it's okay. He just decides on the spur of the moment. And I think it's well, because he's paying his own bills and he's, you know, he can say whatever he wants.
5: So. In my own defense, at least he can afford to eat well. <laughs> the rest of us can't. <laughs> uh, yeah. I found a uh, a mislabeled interview on his, him the other night that, uh, the video caption said, uh, Trump exposes the Illuminati. That's the reason I clicked on it. He yeah. never mentioned Illuminati or anything about it in the video. The the jerk who posted the video was just throwing out teaser lines. I hate yeah. it when somebody does a fake switch title.
1: Yeah, get you to click. And the people that just read headlines and keep going, they see that. Yeah. It's true.
5: Well... I sat through it. It was about a 12-15 minute interview done by the Wall Street Journal, and it was rather a good interview. They did ask several good, poignant questions, and Trump, sharp as a tack, came back with a good answer on every one of them. Uh, And I thought, well, here's somebody who can think on his feet. Uh, He does not need a teleprompter for anything. Uh, so that's good. Uh, one thing that got my attention that I've never seen any other media bring this up uh, Trump is a teetotaler.
1: <laughs> uh,
5: that's probably and he,
1: why he always sounds sharp.
5: He he's ra- not
1: just coming from his lunch.
5: He <laughs> raised all his kids the same way. He said there were three absolutes he taught all his kids no drugs no alcohol, and no cigarettes. And beyond that, grow and be mature on your own. But no drugs, no alcohol, no no cigarettes. And then he went on to say how several of his quite wealthy friends have commented to him personally how how grieved they were that their kids were into drugs or overdoing alcohol and whatever, and Trump had to ask them, are you setting an example?
1: Really? That's right.
5: That's thinking on your feet. And I really have to respect the guy for that. Uh, granted, a... Uh, Some of the ways he wants to deal with immigrants and such are are kind of knee-jerk reactions and and need to be fine-tuned. But, uh, yeah, he's man enough to set an example to his kids of why you want to be sober all the time. You never want to be drunk at any point in time. And my reason I always rationalize is you never know when you're going to get a phone call in the middle of the night, and you suddenly have to rush and go see a family member. What if you went to bed drunk? You don't dare go in the middle of the night, still half drunk, rushing to go see a family member.
3: That's right.
5: Uh, There's never a point in time that you have an excuse to be drunk. Ever. And so that's why I'm kind of a militant teetotaler myself. And to learn that uh, Trump has the same attitude, I'm thinking, well, at least that's one level of common sense. I got to got to credit the guy for. <laughs> yep. uh, and there again, knowing that Clinton was a cocaine sniffer all his life, uh, he may have burned out his brain. That's why he's uh, is de- is as decrepit now as as you say he's he's showing up.
1: Well, he had that issue with his heart. Remember. He had some stuff that was wrong with him a few years ago. I believe well, he had an issue with his heart or something. He he's, he's not well. But, it. I mean, he still did stuff that he shouldn't have done. But yeah. I'm just saying that he there's no way that he needs to be out on the world stage right now. He needs to be sitting somewhere. It seems cruel to me to put him out there. But we'll see. We'll see if he keeps wandering around or if they decide they don't need him out there because what they want to do now is they want to bring him out as a distraction I think so they can talk about his behavior when he was younger
2: that was the time to deal with it you know
0: yeah so um
5: Oh boy, we're uh, we're starting starting off the year with a whole bunch of calamities here. Porter Ranch extended, and Obama's administration trying to get drag us into World War II or World War Three, I should say. Got the list. Uh, Investment watchdog had the list posted. Let's <laughs> place the link. So uh getting back to the the question we left off with on our prayer show is will we make it to 2016. So here we are in 2016. So we, we made, made it, it, it this far. Yep. <laughs> we made it. Uh I think we're all alive. Uh let me go down the list here. James here, right? Yeah. And
1: uh Yeah, the Stella. people stopped chatting a little while ago. So I think we've like, put them to sleep probably tonight. They're not back in practice yet to these long marathons.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Well, then uh, I guess it's time to let, let them off early. But
1: uh, If they're even still here, they may be just pretending to be here and they've gone off to to uh, eat or something. I don't know. We're all in those different time zones, but we never know what anybody's doing.
5: Or it could have been like me in the early part of the show. That's why I missed a couple of the, the opening comments in the chat board as, as I just laid down to, to listen to you. So I'm, I'm staring at the ceiling. I wasn't looking at what was happening in the chat. <laughs> I guess somebody said something to me, and I missed it. So,
1: oh, Dottie's here and Jane Skinner here. They popped up.
5: Okay, well, if you guys are laying down in bed staring at the ceiling, but occasionally listening to it, that, that's fine. I'm not offended at all.
1: No, I'm not either, because half the time, I mean, if people want to listen to it, they can always just put it on and listen to it while they do housework or something. Yeah. Um, the, the um link that Dottie gave earlier, she had. Some things about that situation in Oregon, which is also something that people ought to pay attention to. It's complex. It's not just an easy, like a lot of the things that we talk about are easy things. They're just obvious. But that one, I think, has got a bunch of different issues involved in it. And yeah. uh, you know, the public's never going to take the time to read through all that stuff. It's too much for them. They they can't even read one paragraph, so they're never going to get to all that. But uh,
5: uh, you know, on, on that that same topic and relevant to a look back at my my energy page there uh just a couple of stories down i have a a humorous graphic of uh comedian will ferrell sitting like he's at a news desk and it says this just in 535 so-called patriots are currently occupying a federal building in dc (laughs) um
1: Well, I mean, somebody was saying that, like, the first day. They were like, how come it's not just like an Occupy thing? Because they kept – the news media was spinning it to sound like they had gone into a federal courthouse or something. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And from what I heard that first day or two, because I haven't gone in to look at it in depth yet, I might not. It depends on what's going on, if it gets worse or not. But um, from what I understood, it was a building that was open – 24 hours a day to the public so anybody could go in there at any time so they hadn't like blocked it off or you know or broken in or anything so i don't know i know that there were issues that were you know more than one generation as far as the property part of it and i think that two of those men have gone back to prison am i correct I think they were out, and then they were told they had to come back because somebody changed their mind about whether they should have been released or not, which was part of the problem, why people went out there. So it's not just, oh, Bell says it was closed for the holidays. But from what I understood, the, um, the initial thing that was bothering people, why they went out there was because they felt that these two men were not getting justice. They should have been treated differently than they were. So it wasn't just the government overreach and it wasn't just the building and it wasn't just about the protest because the protest was supposed to be just a a protest. It wasn't going to be anything like this. Part of the people decided they were going to go do that. It wasn't everything. So it could have been agent provocateurs for all we know. Anyway, there's more to it than, than what the media said. Hey, you made me think of, Something else I forgot to mention to you that I thought was really really kind of cute over the break. I got um, a little record player. I saw it on sale and I grabbed it. A little record player that you can put your vinyl records on. And so I wanted to make sure it worked. So I went digging in the other room. I had a couple of records that I knew were there. And I picked it up and it was the Carpenter's Christmas Portrait. And I had mentioned about how I wish I had... um, I wish I had some of that Carpenters music because I really liked it and I had seen the documentary on the Carpenters that was on PBS
3: mm-hmm.
1: and um, really liked it and I thought it was well done. And so when I pulled out the record and found out it was a Christmas record, I just could not believe it. And I flipped it over and I was like, yeah, A&M records, and here's all the stuff on the back, all the uh, you know, the um, credits and stuff for it, all the people's names on here.
5: Released in 1978.
1: And I remembered you talking about it. I was laughing about it. I was like, oh my God, this is like a Desert Pete thing right here.
5: Karen herself promised to sign a copy of that record for me. and uh,
1: 1978,
5: we never met again. right on it. Yeah. You and probably
1: could tell me all the songs on this thing. It sounds fantastic, even on that little record player. It's just a you know cheapy one, one of those that plays CDs and tapes and stuff.
5: But just the uh, the the funny observation I have to add about that record is, which I've said many times before, but anybody new tonight, I'll say it again. Uh, she recorded that in August, <laughs> August of 1978. She was coming in in shorts and a tank top every day. It was so hot outside. <laughs>
1: this this um. Record was like one of the highlights of Christmas here because uh-huh. I put it on, and I kept playing it, and some of the songs I don't think I ever heard about I had ever heard before, and I really liked them um, I'm trying to see if it I can see what
5: it is uh, no, no i I remember the the brief conversation I had with her she she so she commented how 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 funny and strange it was to have to be dr d- dressed in her summer attire while she's singing christmas music yep. but uh but that was a um, a very wise business decision between her and her uh, her brother uh just looking around to seeing that uh, not many people were were recording christmas music but it always sold every christmas season and that Well, shucks, Bing Crosby's White Christmas was still selling well in 1978.
1: A lot of records never will die
5: because everybody wants them. and they just saw that do a good quality rendition of something, and it's going to sell for 30 or 40 years ahead.
1: Yeah, did you see um, the country music Christmas special?
5: Uh, No
1: there was um, a group that people had seen the last few years off and on pentatonix and they had a huge like surge in their popularity this year with uh, christmas music and stuff they did they are it's a five part a cappella group it's four men and one woman and i'm sure you can find it on youtube pent pentatonix it's called and the the uh, it's p e n t a T O N I X. And um, they had, I think they had a number one Christmas song. I don't know who does the charts anymore because they don't really do radio like they used to, but it was called um, something like That's Christmas to Me. And somebody had played that for me like a week before because I, like I told you, I sing with somebody, so we rehearse together every week, even though we haven't done anything to perform for a long time cuz we're just we just don't get it together to go do anything. But we sing together and we talk about songs and we you know, we just kind of enjoy each other's company and talk about life and it's just, you know, a group of friends, basically four of us. But one of them had brought that song and played it one night probably a week or two before I saw it on television. <coughs> And I had forgot, I knew I liked the song. I was like, oh, I really like it. It's very catchy. We could learn that. We could sing that at Christmas. And then to hear it on TV, I recognized it, and I went, I know this song. How do I know this song? I couldn't think about it. But it's one of those songs that's catchy, and, and people would immediately like it. It's happy. Um, I think you'd really like it. It was a cheerful thing. But it's just, you know, how things have changed They, like when we were growing up, we had these records, you know, that were promoted on radio and people would go buy them. And now it's like, unless someone tells you about it, when are you ever going to know that there's something new? They don't play that kind of thing in the stores anymore. They get these, you know, soundtracks or whatever that are oldies or whatever. They don't do new music that often. So I don't know. It's quite different than it used to be.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah I thought of you though I pulled that out and I went oh my gosh it's the Carpenters and it's A&M Records and it's the Christmas Records <sighs>
5: oh. and, uh, b- back in December back I didn't even I...
1: know I had it I should say <laughs> I really didn't I didn't know I had it James Kim will because I say I have two of everything ever invented but I did not know I had a Carpenters album <laughs> <laughs> it was probably something I got at a yard sale or something
5: I've got it. uh, I've got my copy stacked away with all my other albums there, and uh, I don't have a turntable that works anymore, so I.
1: I have a stack of albums I can't get to because I'm landlocked in my house with all the junk that's in that room. Yeah. When I get over there, I'll be able to pull out some of my cool stuff and maybe I'll put it on my little record player thing I bought and. I'll play you guys some old stuff from the old days, like, you know, from my old Cream albums and my Turtles.
5: (laughs) I have a really
1: odd collection. You would laugh if you saw the stuff that I have. It's so bizarre.
5: But absolute classics, though. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah.
5: Yeah. Well, that's what holiday season does to everybody. Jogs old memories. So in December, back when I had teeth to chew on both sides of my mouth, I I was eating at Subway. And December, they were starting to play Christmas music over the the background system. And who comes on but but Karen singing something, one of her Christmas tunes. And uh, I nod my head, and I say, well, I hear that every year. And then a couple of tunes later, who else comes on but Johnny Mathis singing another Christmas tune. And I'm thinking, well, we now take you from Studio D at A&M over to Studio B at A&M. He was there, too yeah he he uh he recorded at a and m frequently i don't know if he did any christmas music there really but i just know he used studio b quite a bit and uh uh so anyway just another one of the familiar faces you run into only at a place as as bizarre as a and m records and as as i mentioned in a in a re- restaurant commentary a couple of shows ago that uh, Celebrities like to be seen with other celebrities. And so when word gets out that A&M has great-sounding studios, that's where everybody wants to be seen recording at. Yep. As far as the sound of studios go, I've been in studios in Los Angeles, Chicago, and Nashville. The best-sounding studios... Of all of them were in Nashville, but uh, celebrities live in California, and so that's where they want to record. Um,
4: Right.
5: Anyway, so just a passing observation there. Uh, Okay, I think I'm at the end of my list. Unless you got any other topics to to hit on here to get the year get the year off to a push start.
1: Um no, I'm just going to keep on doing what I usually do and just see how it goes. I'm just going to keep looking at the same stuff which is, you know, I think it helps me to have that I don't know about anyone else, but I think it shows the the discrepancies or or the connections easier if you do that. So like if, you know, like if you're looking at the energy things or what's going on in the western part of the United States, that they talk about locally because they don't always tell us the same thing in different regions. It depends on if it's going to suit the agenda or not. So um, the more we do that, in my opinion, the better facts we get to because we're not flailing around everywhere. We're like sort of doing our own thing and then comparing notes or whatever. I don't know. That's what I feel like I should do anyway. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to when I get a chance, I'm going to try to set up some um, computer folders and just go maybe through the UDA um, notes that I usually do. I just do a blank paper each week, like a blank page, and I plunk all these links in or ideas that I have or copy-paste that I take and just put them into these folders so that, like, you know, some of them would be inspirations and some of them might be, you know, about the governor and some might be about you know, what happened with gun control, that kind of thing, so that I have um, a bunch of things together and maybe some of the stuff that I've even forgotten that I ever talked about. Because sometimes I come across something and go, I forgot all about this. This is a kind of cool science thing, you know. And um, I think it might make it a little easier to access it later. I'll see. I don't know if I'll have time to do it or not, but, you know, now that I've been able to ease up a little bit, I've been a little more calm and a little less chaotic. So, that's
2: my goal for OODA stuff.
0: Scrolling up in the chat, I see, uh, I forgot
5: the name. One of our listeners tonight posted something about uh, dental work, so thank you, Oh, uh,
1: Oh, Val was putting a lot of uh, hints about things you can do for your teeth earlier, yeah. too. Some of the people are dealing with their own home remedies for teeth because of the fact that if you're going to eat or have teeth, um, you know, your stomach's telling you you got to eat. So, I don't know. Somebody's got to start doing a little bit of charitable work for people's health by helping them with teeth, because it's not that hard of a thing to do. It's not like giving somebody a heart surgery. (laughs) And it should be getting done.
5: I guess it was uh, Rebel Wolf and uh, Yelp. I'll bookmark those links and read them afterwards there. Yep. Okay. Well, he's starting to hurt, so I need to go I think I'm going
1: to call it a night. I'm going to um, play I found that song that I was talking about, so I'm going to play that even though it's after Christmas, but you can hear how good it sounds, and then end it, I guess, and see everybody next week, and hope everybody has a good week. I'm glad you got your wheels.
5: Uh, Thank you. So, uh, now to just do the final paperwork with DMV and get the title moved over and Get my own insurance on it. So uh Yeah. That, that uh,
1: Get theft insurance on it.
5: Might be able to uh,
1: <laughs> I shouldn't do even it say that, yep. it's like jinxing it.
5: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I got a few more things yet yet to do before I can call it mine, but uh but it's getting a lot closer and at least now it's legal to, to move in here. Good. Okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll sign off for the weekend, and uh, thank everybody for coming by.
1: Okie doke Good night.
5: All right. Catch you next week. All
1: right. All right. Good night. Good right. Hey, you guys, I'm going to play that song, and then I'm going. So have a good night, and don't forget to finish up whatever you want to say and in the chat and say good night to people and share links or whatever, okay? And I'll see you guys next week. I hope you have a good week. All right, let me see if I can get the video going and the sound up so you can hear it. This is pentatonics. that's Christmas to me.
4: Merry Christmas to be
1: I hope you heard that okay. All right then,
2: good night everybody.